I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to 32 Fans in 32 Days. My voice sounds pretty cheery for obvious reasons, but Akiva, how are you doing today? Life is meaningless. <laughs> I'm like eating crackers on this podcast because I don't even care anymore. Doesn't even care anymore. By anymore, like, I mean I stopped caring months ago. But Yeah, well, but I think I think you cared uh, as the Jets were driving down the field late in the fourth quarter. Uh, before, well, I cared uh, about the Jets, not about the podcast, but yeah. Oh, I see, yeah. Um, you know, all season long, you were a pessimistic Jets fan, and Fitzpatrick was putting up great numbers, looked impressive, and you kept on saying the other shoe's going to drop, he's going to have a game with three picks, he's going to ruin it for us. And uh, he did, so you were right. Yeah, there was a lot of dropped interceptions. I saw the Sanchez rookie year. He threw like 19 interceptions, but he had like 40 dropped interceptions. The writing was on the wall. Yeah, and you know, in hindsight, it's easy to say this, but you and I both predicted the, that the Bills would win last week, and we could not understand why the Jets were favored. We, I, I didn't see Fitzpatrick throwing three picks, but you know, the Bills have blown out the Jets four games in a row now. Well, that one wasn't a blowout, but they've beaten the Jets solidly four games in a row. Um, it was in Buffalo. I'm not sure why the Jets were favored, but uh, obviously a brutal, brutal way to end the season. That Kembrell Tompkins play, you know, you were inches away from uh, you know him running into the end zone for a game-winning touchdown. I mean, I, I told you right afterwards that would have been the best moment of my entire life. If Tompkins streaking towards the end zone to win a game that they had no business winning like that, I I would have been so happy. I don't know what I yeah. would have done. Well, sadly, you you are not happy. You know what that play was a little bit like? Like the Randy Moss play in the Super Bowl where Brady throws it 80 yards on his back foot. Yeah. And like if Moss – I don't think Moss scores and maybe time runs out, which people forget. But like if Moss catches that ball, I, that's like the coolest moment, you know, basically in Super Bowl history. You know, it's actually interesting you bring that up because I was making a chart earlier this week – I was sort of curious about the best teams ever to to not make a Super Bowl, which, you know, generally the 98 Vikings are, are the uh, prime example of that. And then the Pats, of course, the 2007 Pats are the best team not to win a Super Bowl, the undefeated team that lost in the Super Bowl. And Randy Moss was obviously, the, you know, was the player on both of those teams. I was looking up, looking at some uh, some advanced stats that sort of rank teams like uh, like SRS and other things, uh, rating the best teams in NFL history, regardless of whether they won the Super Bowl or not. And they have the Patriots as the best team in – and it's, this is based on the regular season. So they have the Patriots as the best team in, in history, of course. But it's interesting because of the top 10 teams of all time based on so regular season, very few of them actually won a championship. 
the uh, the Baltimore Colts in '68, you know, that lost the Super Bowl to to the Jets with a Joe Namath. Uh, they're the third best team all time. The the Vikings. Well, that team next, didn't have their quarterback in the playoffs, though. So that makes yeah, sense. yeah. The Vikings uh, that lost the next year to uh, Hank Stram and the Chiefs. The 1969 Vikings are listed as the fourth best team of all time, and they lost wow. Super Bowl, of course. But anyways, but uh, you know, we have enough things to talk about without talking about random charts that I make in the middle of the night. No, everyone wants movies. to hear more about the 1970 Vikings. Keep going. Yeah. So you know, let's add insult to injury for Akiva. Uh, you know, not just the Jets, but it was a rough season for you against me and our various uh, picks and gamblings. Um, we picked, we predicted a winner in every single game this year. Um, unfortunately I didn't, I didn't copy down your picks for the first three weeks, but from week four, on, go back and listen I, to those podcasts. We'll pause. Yeah. This. Well, one of our guests could do so. Or one of our fans. I mean, uh, but from week four on, I, uh, I, I got 131 wins. You got 125. So I won by six. Um, and in the first three weeks I, I went 33 and 15. So you would have had gone 40 and eight in the first three weeks to overtake me. So uh, I beat you on that one. Uh, guessing the lines, I beat you 14 weeks to two. But to be fair, I think it's the first time you've done it, and I've been doing it since 2010. So, you know, th- those were our various picks. Uh, let's let's talk about our preseason guests for a second. Obviously, the reason this podcast is called 32 Fans in 32 Days is because uh, in the preseason, we had uh, 32 guests come and talk with each of the teams uh, in the 32 days leading up to the season. And uh, five of our fans were exactly right in their preseason prediction for their team. So I want to give a shout-out to them. Uh, uh, Jaden Watts predicted that the Oakland Raiders would go 7-9. and uh, Good job. I thought they'd go... I thought they'd go like two and fourteen, so but he was right there. Uh, Stephen Apter thought the, that Washington would go nine and seven, and boy, did we make fun of him for that homer pick. Did he but, think uh, that they would make the playoffs at nine and seven? Uh, he said they'd have a chance. He 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 didn't he, you know he did not predict that that division would be terrible because obviously people thought higher of of the Cowboys uh, and the Eagles going into the year, but he but he thought they'd have a chance. But he did predict them to go nine and seven. Uh, Michael Bateman predicted the Broncos to go twelve and four. He also said that uh, that Brock Osweiler would play in place of Peyton Manning uh, at times in December. So an accurate prediction for him. Although he thought it because the Broncos were blowing teams out and arresting Peyton, not because Peyton was uh, leading the league in interceptions. Um, Zach Sosno, who we will hear from on today's podcast. He predicted that the Bengals would go twelve and four. Um, so uh, good job by him. And then Cole. Did he Holden, predict uh, Adrian McCarron starting a playoff game? Uh, well, no, but Andy Dalton's starting this week. Oh, he is. Uh, well, I, well, boy, you've really uh, given up on football after the Jets. Who cares? Lost. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Cole Hogan. It's a good thing that you uh, co-host a uh, uh, football podcast, right? I just want to talk about baseball. Yeah, and well, we'll, we'll get to baseball in a second. And Cole Hogan, uh, pred- and we'll hear from him as well. He predicted that the Chiefs would go eleven and five. And um, so good job by him, especially when they started one and five, uh, you know, that they turned that around pretty nicely. Did he so have them job. going from one and five to 11 and five or no? Uh, no, he did not. He did not predict that they would, uh, that they would make it in that order, but he did predict that they would make it. So uh, good job by him. And then actually there was also, uh, there were six fans who the team outperformed the fans predictions. So Ooh, these okay. were conservative fans. Uh, Michael, Michael Clark, uh, we'll hear from him next week. Uh, he thought the Pats would only go 11 and five and they went 12 and four. Uh, Kyrie zero nine one, our Arizona Cardinals fan. Uh, you know, he did not see them going 13 and three. Um, uh, we'll pro- we might hear from him next week. Um, and you know, this was a uh, your preseason prediction for the NFC champ as well. And they had their best t- uh, season in, in team history. So good job by you and Kyrie. The Vikings did even better than I expected. Uh, you know, I thought they'd go 10 and six or nine and seven and they went 11 and five Carolina, obviously, um, you know, John Michael Stone thought they'd go 11 and five. And we thought that was a tad optimistic, but of course they went 15 and one FEMA Schlimmel, uh, our 49ers fan. Remember how pessimistic he was? Yeah, very pessimistic. Yeah, well, I mean, he was—they were the worst team in the league by DVOA, but um, they somehow finished with five wins, and he thought they'd only get four. Yeah, give so, Tom Zula uh, a contract extension. Yeah, <laughs> and then of course your Jets, uh, Akiva and Ab, both thought they'd be seven and nine. 
And uh, Harold was much more optimistic. Uh, Harold thought that the uh, the Jets would go eleven and five. Harold still thinks that they're going to go eleven and five. Well, I got to tell you, if they had uh, not blown it against the Bills, uh, Harold would have been co-hosting this podcast this week without you. Now I'm even more depressed that they lost. <laughs> so, um, and uh, now let's uh, let's just quickly cover our our, our worst guests, um, the guests who were the worst off in their predictions anyway. Uh, Esten Stogner, all around fail for Esten. I feel a little bad. It was our first podcast ever, so we weren't perfect either. But um, his Twitter handle is say no to Mariota, and he hated Mariota, who, of course, uh, you know, had a really good season. He predicted Daryl Green Beckham would uh, win the Rookie of the Year, and he barely played until late in the season. And um, despite hating Mariota, Eston thought that the Titans would go 9-7, and seven, and they went 3-13. and 13. So six games off for Eston. Bad job by him. <laughs> also six games off uh, was Jim Latronica of the Browns. Uh, he was a good guest, but uh, frankly, he was delusional because he thought the Browns would go 9-7. and seven. And um, the Browns are so bad that they fired everybody again, and they've just hired uh, Paul DePodesta from the Mets. Yeah, you're a Mets fan. Uh, how does Paul DePodesta translate to a football? No idea. I don't even <laughs> think he worked out in New York. I'm pretty sure he was working out of L.A. So he wasn't even full time with the Mets. I don't even know. Uh, boy, the Browns are in trouble. Also, a uh, six off uh, Michael Newman of the Chargers. Tough break for uh, Michael. Uh, early on, the Chargers lost a bunch of heartbreakers, and then everybody got injured, and now the team's leaving San Diego. Pretty amazing. Twelve that. They, yeah. they got Rivers for 16 games. They were still that bad. Yeah, so t- tough uh, for him. And uh, one more team finished six down. Uh, that was Jordan Parhar's Cowboys. He thought they'd go 10 and six. You know, and despite the defense being better than expected, you know, with Romo and Dez injured all year, they went four and 12. And, you know, we talked a lot with Jordan about, about Greg Hardy and how it would be hard to root for this year's Cowboys. And I guess uh, you reap what you sow with uh, Jerry Jones because, um, you know, the, the gods did not smile on the Cowboys this year. Listen, healthy Romo. That team is still a contender next year. Yeah, you 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 were believing uh, even in going into the Thanksgiving game that they could turn things around. So I still think they might win the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, at five games off was Shamir Seidman of the Eagles. Uh, he predicted to go twelve and four. Uh, tough season for Shamir. He thought they go twelve and four. He thought the Eagles would score five hundred points. He also said this was the greatest group of receivers in franchise history. <laughs> he said there was no way Chip Kelly would be fired. He was basically a big believer in Chip Kelly's system. Uh, oh, he's also a big believer in Sam Hinkie. Uh, hashtag trust the process for the Sixers. And that's uh, clearly being subverted as well by the NBA, who's uh, forcibly bringing it up. Yeah, if I knew the Flyers GM was, I'd make a good joke, but I don't. We might have to bring uh, Shamir back onto the pod to make fun of him. But uh, this week, there's too much going on. So that won't happen this week. Um, Michael Potash of the Ravens was also five games off. But uh, to be frank, I thought Michael was pretty moderate. He only had the Ravens going 10 and 6 compared to the, you know, the arrogant Bengals and Steelers fans. Both had it going 12 and 4. No one really saw this coming. You know, they had a ton of, of you know, Really close losses, and then Flacco went down. And then, and, and last but not least, Jacob Lewin of the Colts. Uh, look, a, a lot of people were wrong on the Colts. I said that Alder Johnson and Frank Gore would, could boost their Hall of Fame chances by leading the Colts to the Super Bowl this year. Um, you were the one who said that. Uh, take away uh, Andrew Luck, and you thought this was uh, a worse team than the Browns. So I think uh, you get a lot of credit for being right on the money that the Colts uh, were terrible. Yep. Give Griggs an extension. Yeah, unbelievable. Somehow, after all that, uh, Ryan Grigson uh, is coming back, and Chuck Pagano. Uh, speaking of Chuck By the way, is the only thing better than giving Grigson an extension is, like, if you're an AFC fan, especially an AFC East fan, like, you're hearing reports that the Dolphins are seriously interested in Mike Smith, and you're like, uh, can we chip in? Can we chip in to give Mike Smith to the Dolphins? Yeah, but uh, Grigson is just – it's mind-boggling. I don't understand how that's happening. Uh, you know, also apparently they re-signed Pagano only after they, you know, talks broke down with Sean Payton, so – That's not awkward. Yeah. Uh, you know, last week each of us picked uh, – in our in our weekly wager, we each picked eight teams who would be getting new head coaches. Right now you're beating me three to two because of the Colts shockingly uh, re-upping Pagano. I still have the Titans and Saints as possibilities. They're saying that Malarkey might have a chance. 
and uh, the Saints are pretty much waiting for someone to offer them a trade. And so, you're giving um, me you're giving me Dan Talica, but he hasn't officially not gotten the job yet. Yeah, but Dan Talica's not going to. Malarkey, they've said there's a chance. Dan Talica, you know, he, said, Dan Talica's getting an interview though. Yeah, but Peter King said he's out, so I believe that one. You know, we'll see what happens. You know, look, I also have Lovey uh, Lovey Smith, who you know, it's not impossible that he and the Bucks could part ways. And, and if the Bengals get embarrassed in the first round, could, um, could Marvin Lewis be shown the door? It's unlikely, but I guess we'll ask uh, our Bengals expert, Zach Sosna, about that as well. What about Belichick? You think he gets fired <laughs> if the Patriots don't win the Super Bowl? Well, you know, at some point, does he win a Super Bowl and ride off into the sunset? Is that a possibility? Yeah, of course it's a possibility. Well, ne- neither one of us picked him, so. Well, I mean, he's got nothing else going on. Yeah. Uh, super fan Robbie sent us a fairly detailed email this week analyzing the various job openings and who he thinks would be good coaches. I don't think we're going to get to it this week because, you know, we got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, uh, but um, we'll definitely get to it in the next couple of weeks, uh, provided the news doesn't get ahead of us with some of these teams hiring coaches before we have a chance. Oh, by the way, Superfan Robbie also got a couple of shout outs uh, on, on Akiva's other podcast this week. Oh, he got another one today, but I'm sure not one person understood it. Oh, he's dominating. Well, I just know, said so- that I, we were talking about what Regis is up to. I'm like, I don't know. He's he's living in super in Robbie's building. Yeah, well, yeah, Robbie's neighbor, Regis Philbin, made a guest appearance on on The Opposite to talk to Kramer about the coffee table book, and so uh, Robbie gets a shout-out. All right, so um, this week, uh, for our weekly wager, we turn to a favorite discussion of Akiva and ours, and that is the uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, between now and uh, next week's pod, the, the Hall of Fame will announce uh, this year's class and the uh, votes. So we're going to have a quick draft here. We're going to go back and forth. And uh, we're going to get points based on the percentage of votes that a guy gets. So I get the first pick because you got the first pick last week. I'm obviously going to pick Ken Griffey Jr. first. He's going to, you know, get in with, you know, nearly all the votes. It won't be unanimous because some voters are idiots. But, you know, let's say he gets 97%, so I'll get 97 points there, and, and we'll add up our points that way. So uh, so my first pick is uh, is Ken Griffey. And uh, Akiva, who do you take next? I'm going to take Mike Piazza mm-hmm. and Jeff Bagwell. Piazza was at 70 last year, so he's, he's definitely going to get in. Piazza might get in by less than people think. He might only get... Because he doesn't do well on the non-public ballots. Well, yeah. Well, the non-public ballots are the, are the idiots who don't know for anybody. Or- right now, he needs 68% on non-public ballots, which is doable. But it's he's not – I wouldn't say he's 100%, but he's like 95% in. Yeah, and Bagel is a 56 last year, so he's very close. Even though there's nothing to do with steroids with him, and even though he's one of the best you know, first basemen in baseball history, uh, for some idiotic reason, he is uh, – you know, he's not yet in the Hall of Fame. He'll get there eventually, but it's, it's really crazy that he's – I'm just looking at my all-time first baseman rankings – and yeah, I have Jeff Bagwell as the uh, the fourth best first baseman of all time. So it's kind of insane that he's not in the Hall of Fame yet, but um, you know he will be soon enough, hopefully. Um, all right. So so now so now that we got sort of the obvious picks out of the way, it's my pick again. Now things get a little more interesting. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Tim Rock Reigns. You know he's um it's is this his this is his second to last year on the ballot, right? Yeah, he's got one more year. Yeah, because they've reduced it to ten. Uh, last year he was at fifty five. I think he might. I I, I feel like. Next year, he's going to make a run and not get in. Yeah, I don't think he's going to make it, but, you know, but he's uh, probably – And then uh, with the next pick, I'm going to go with Kurt Schilling. He uh, he, he was no, next. No, you don't of, get two uh, picks. Yeah, we do Snake. Don't we do Snake? No, but we said if someone gets one. It was, like, very specific in the rules that I G-chatted here. Oh, I didn't know what you were talking about. It's Wait, like so because I, you get one, I get two and three, and then you have four, I get five. You get six, I get seven. Oh, we're just going back and forth? Yeah. Okay, fine. All right, so take Schilling off the board for me. Are you taking him? No, I'm going to take Hoffman. Oh. <laughs> uh, Trevor Hoffman, first year on the ballot. Uh, you know, he's going to get a lot of benefit because, you know, of the saves record, but I think it's ridiculous that a, I think he's going to do well on the not public ballot also because those guys yeah. love white closers. 
Exactly. Even though, I mean, he was, he was, he was a good closer. He was, he was never dominant. I, I think we discussed this already on, on the podcast when the ballot came out. I said Billy Wagner was better than him by every single metric except uh, saves. And, um, and so, you know, I, I don't think Billy Wagner should be in the Hall of Fame either, but I think Billy Wagner should be in ahead of Hoffman. Uh, but you're right. He's going to get a lot of votes. All right. So then I'll take Schilling next. So if you take Schilling, hmm, I'm going to go with uh, Mike Mussino, who's uh, had a real big bump, it looks like, this year. Oh, you're taking Moose. Interesting. So he was only at 25 last year. Oh, did you look at all the public ballots? Oh, I haven't looked at that. So you're actually doing research here. Yeah, I, I did some research. Oh, damn. All right, well, then I'm in trouble. You know, I think I think Moose is a Hall of Famer. I have him ninth on my ballot for this year. Oh, he'll definitely get in, but not this year. Yeah. But yeah, but I, why would he be taking a big leap over Schilling? Because people are upset about Schilling's politics. Schilling has actually slipped. Well, well, yeah, Schilling's an asshole, but, you know. Well, politics plus uh, the Rhode Island video game thing. He's really yeah. in trouble. All right. Okay, fine. So if uh, if we are, uh, you know, taking the asshole factor into account and my, I'm building a team of assholes, you know, Tim Raines, who, you know, a good guy, but had a cocaine problem in the 80s and Kurt Schilling, who's an asshole. So I will uh, I will add another asshole to my team and it's uh, the greatest hitter of all time or, you know, non-Babe Ruth edition, Barry Bonds. For some reason, Clemens ends up on the non-public ballots doing better than Bonds and gets a couple more votes, which is insane. Like there's literally no way you could vote for one and not the other. But Well, there's a pretty it. obvious reason, which is their skin color, right? <laughs> Maybe Clemens has been caught doing worse things than yeah, Bonds. Yeah, but, but, but I'm saying, but of the people who are, the people who don't publicize their ballots are the type of people who are more likely to take race into account. Let's leave it at that, right? Probably. Yeah. But at this point, a lot of those guys are gone. Like they really, they, I don't know if you know, but they purged all the people who aren't, yeah, who aren't baseball. Who hadn't been, yeah, for 15 years. Look, Clemens is a, um, you know, it has a claim on being the greatest pitcher of all time, uh, just like Bonds does with hitting. So you're right. It doesn't make sense why I'd vote for one and not the other. But I'm not going to pick, um, you picked Bonds? Yeah. I'm not going to pick Clemens. I'm going to pick Alan Trammell, who's in his last year on the ballot. By the way, I have Clemens as the third greatest pitcher of all time behind Cy Young and Walter Johnson. So he's the best pitcher of the last 90 years. Uh, and yet he's not in the Hall of Fame for some silly reason. You know, I like the Trammell pick. You've heard me say many times in the past, Alan Trammell should be a Hall of Famer, without a doubt. This is his last year on the ballot. I have him fifth on my ballot this year, ahead of uh, Mike Piazza, frankly. He should be in the Hall of Fame. He's not going to be. But, you know, he was a 25 last year. Maybe he gets a, an honorary boost for his last season. I will keep loading up on the assholes then and uh, give me Roger Clemens. Yeah, Clemens. Uh, these And these people should be very similar percentage-wise. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy who is definitely never going to get in. I do think he gets a sabermetric push. Uh, now maybe the ballot clears off a little bit more uh, in a year or two. But that's Edgar Martinez, who is heading towards maybe topping 50% at some point. He still has three more years on the ballot, but he's never going to get in because the old-time people will never put a DH in. Yeah, but although they'll put a closer in, right? right. That makes a lot of sense. Right. <laughs> um, all right. Well, speaking of closers, uh, Lee Smith in his second to last year on the ballot, he got 30% last year. He definitely doesn't deserve it. You know, he he was less good than than Hoffman or Wagner, but but uh, you know he had the save save record when he retired, and he's already at thirty. So uh, you know he'll probably get a, a nice check of votes. Yeah, um, it's a good pick. At this point, we're really um, you know we're going for guys who aren't gonna get in or anything like that. But I'm gonna go with uh, Fred McGriff, the crime dog himself. Yeah, there's a certain type of person who loves him. Like I see him on some weird ballots, Fred McGriff. Look, he, he, he's, he's a borderline Hall of Famer. You know, he, he, he could make a claim. The problem is that he sort of retired right before the steroid era blew up the numbers. So he doesn't get the benefit of. Yeah, that's what all numbers. the people, the people who don't vote for Bonds yeah. and Clemens a lot of times vote for McGriff. Yeah. Well, that's dumb. But I'm going to vote for Jeff Kent. I saw he's like the sole guy in a couple of ballots. Uh, white guy. <laughs> white guy. Um, you know, Jeff Kent was good. He, I think he's a borderline Hall of Famer. But Does his 10th no- place finish on Survivor Philippines 
affect your opinion of him? My personal opinion? No. Okay. What, 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 how was he on Survivor? He was actually pretty good. When he got voted off, he said, you know, I really wanted to win even though I made $60 million <laughs> playing baseball. He's like, actually, it was like 40. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> yeah, he seems like that people didn't know. Guy. He didn't say his real name. So people didn't know. One lady claimed she knew who he was, but she never outed him, which is a weird strategy move also. Yeah, it's also weird. Jeff Kent retired before Obama became president. So not sure how his uh, – Yeah, no, uh, for sure. Baseball player. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why he thinks that money was taken by Obama. But <laughs> yeah. Obama was also in charge of the IRS at the time. So Yeah. All right. OK. Uh, who's uh, Who's your next pick? So wait, I picked McGriff and then you picked Kent. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go pick a guy who's sadly falling off the ballot. Like I understand he's not going to get in, but the it's shocking how poorly he's doing, and that is Mark McGuire. Yeah. Well, that's solely because he admitted he took steroids, right? Yeah. I mean, Mark McGuire is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Well, look, I don't care about steroids at all, and I have him 16th on my ballot this year, but that's just because there's so many guys. Right. But you also it. think he's for sure should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, I have him in the gray zone. I think, you know, I'd hear an argument either way. Just because he was injured a lot, he was a pretty much a one-dimensional player. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame, but I wouldn't vote for him because there's 15 guys ahead of him and you're only allowed to vote for 10 guys. I actually – he would be on my ballot even though I don't think he's one of the 10 best guys. Certainly this year he would be on my ballot just because, you know, a sign of respect I guess. And this is his last year on the ballot, right? Oh, yeah. he's Well, they switched the rule last year. So he thought he had another five years. Not that it would have done him any good. But yeah, he's the first person to fall victim of. It's weird if you are like you're people, eleven, you get four more years. Right, if you're your eleven, t- you get four more years. But if you're ten, you're out this year. So Alan yeah. Trammell has got no year sense. fifteen. Yeah. Uh, or Lee, at, Lee Smith has another year. Next and Lee year. Smith no has sense. another year, and but yeah, yeah. Uh, he's done. All right, um, I'm going to take Gary Sheffield. Uh, last year, in his first year, he got twelve percent. Um, you know, he'll probably get a little bit of a bump. I am tenth on my ballot this year. Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Yeah, I'm. I'm tenth on my ballot. Oh, that's crazy! You know, I, I didn't believe that. I didn't realize that you have Sheffield actually making the Hall of Fame in your mind. That's well, you look at his numbers. Yeah, and I'm going to pick a guy who really hasn't had his case heard at all yet, uh, and that's Larry Walker. Yeah, and L- Larry Walker's. You know, I think similar to Sheffield, I have him twelfth on my ballot. Well, the Walker's thing is that he Walker, you know, played in the greatest hitter environment, basically in the history of baseball. In that, in the home run sort of steroid era, he was playing at Coors Field. Yeah, but he – I mean his numbers were good. Oh, he was a great player, also. of course. But, it, you know, it's it's hard to read his numbers. By the way, I have Sheffield as the 14th best corner outfielder in history. Every player ahead of him is in the Hall of Fame except for Bonds, Manny Ramirez, and Pete Rose. So to me – Yeah, you know, Sheffield, had he stayed on one team, he would be getting way more votes. But yeah, no, he he's not – nobody yeah. really owns Sheffield. Like yeah. nobody thinks of Sheffield with any team. But if he had stayed like on the Padres or something his whole career – he would be basically in the Hall of Fame already. Like he yeah, was also didn't he like make errors on purpose to get traded from the Brewers early yeah, in his career? Yeah, I mean so. he was a crazy person, but he, yeah. uh, you know, and there were crazy By the way, people. I have, I have Larry Walker twenty four on my list. And wow. Again, every, everybody, but everybody, no, but everybody, no, no, of all time corner outfielders. Oh, 24, Okay, but everybody above him is a Hall of Famer, or you know, is a steroids guy, or Pete Rose. So okay. you know, again, I, th- I think uh, you know he probably should be in the Hall of Fame also. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, with with my next pick, I'm going to take Jim Edmonds. We talked about him a few weeks ago. He absolutely, I think, should be a Hall of Famer. Uh, I have him number seven on my ballot this year. Yeah, you know, he um, is in danger of falling off the ballot. I don't think he will, but he's going to come very close to it. Well, it's, it's his first year, so it's hard to guess what he's going to get. But look, we well, only have, have four him. votes so far out of 167. Yeah, that's well really here. I, he's the tenth best center fielder in history, in my opinion, and everybody above him on the list is a Hall of Famer, except for Ken Griffey. What's insane. Shortly. 
is that the people who are anti-stats don't factor in defense. Yeah, it's always – it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, the people who – yeah, look, all the, all they care about is home runs and RBIs and, and win-loss record for pitchers. And then they they're can, they more stats ball. obsessed in a weird way. Yeah, j- just stupid stats. Did you read exactly. Maury Chase's article? I've read many of them. No, no, stupid. the one from this week. Uh, which one? What did he say? Oh, you have to read it. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, give, give me a little preview. Uh, it, he, like his grandson gives him like Dan Zimbersky or some like, uh, you know, stats guy an article. And um, Chase is going on about how like you – Chase, by the way, Chase's ballot. You want to hear Chase's ballot? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ken Griffey Jr. I, I figured. Uh, well, he, at least he's not one of the guys who's like, I won't for any, vote for anybody from the steroid era and hand in a blank ballot. Well, he sort of did. Like, he, he didn't vote for Biggio because he heard rumors about Biggio. What, what are the rumors? That, that he played for the same team as Jeff Bagwell, about whom there are rumors for no reason whatsoever? And and Chase has been the main yes. guy perpetrating the Piazza rumors, the back knee, for years. Yeah, so what is it? Because he had pimples on his back, so therefore he took steroids? Right. <laughs> by the way, by the way, Murray Ch- do you know Murray Chase was a juror in uh, Manahawick, uh, Wisconsin a few years ago? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, that that would be understandable. Didn't he like peroxide his hair, Piazza? Maybe the steroid, maybe the back knee came from that. Yeah, he had like a midlife crisis when he remember when he held the press conference to announce that he wasn't gay and he, and he wasn't was dating. gay. Yeah, yeah. So, and look, you you've heard my opinion of Odell Beckham Jr. I think I think every player should announce they're gay, whether they are or not. Sure. Uh, yeah. Good endorsement. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, now uh, you, you get what you get one last pick. Uh, we could keep picking until we run out of names. I don't care. Ah. Uh, there's there's two returning there's two returning guys left and then there's a bunch of guys who are first year on the ballot. Okay, so I'm gonna go with a guy who yeah I think I guess this is it after that yeah I'm gonna we'll do each do one more pick which is stupid yeah. we'll do one more pick um I'm gonna go with a guy who will probably do better with the votes who haven't been cast yet and that's Billy Wagner. So Billy Wagner uh, first year on the ballot as I, I you know I could definitely see him gonna all stay on the ballot. As I said, he's more deserving to be in the Hall of Fame than than Hoffman. His well, here's the thing: Hoffman's going to get in like in a year or two. Yeah, and then Lee Smith's going to fall off the ballot after next year. Just but compare Billy and Wagner's then the, numbers it, Wagner's to the only closer. Then I, in, in, you know, Rivera's not coming on for years. I'm, I, yeah, off the top the of my head, I don't think reason, there's another closer. But the coming. The only later. reason, the only reason that Hoffman is on the ballot is going to make it is because he has the saves record. That's the only reason, mm-hmm. right? But I, no listen, point saves it, is a sort of a famous enough statistic or whatever that well, yeah, it, but, but, it but doesn't saying, bother me that the guy is number one all time. Yeah. But what I'm saying is Wagner doesn't have that. And so Wagner doesn't have any claim to the hall of fame. Right. Right. Even though, you're even though, better. even though their numbers are either identical or Wagner's are better across the board and they played in the same league at the same time. They made the same number of all-star teams, completely apples to apples. You know, you always prefer to Wagner to, on your team to Hoffman. You know, and also obviously Hoffman pitched his whole career in San Diego. Um, all right, so with my last pick, I, I you know obviously I'm not going to take any of the first year guys. Troy Glaus might get a few votes, and uh, you know Garrett Anderson had a lot of hits. Um, you know uh, David Eckstein wouldn't be surprised if some idiots voted for him. But it's between uh, the two returning guys. It's either Sammy Sosa or Nomar. B- because I've loaded my team up on steroids, guys, I guess I'll just add Sammy to the list as well. Oh yeah, and Sammy no, Sam- Sosa. Look, Sammy he has could be in the Hall of Fame. Fifteen votes the already. Nomar has won. Oh, really? Oh, I'm surprised. I thought Nomar would get more votes. No, nah, I'll go with Nomar. Votes. I mean, Garrett Anderson's the only other person who even has a single vote. Yeah. Well, hold on. We're done, though. We're, we're done at 10. Yeah, I'm saying, but like that's, you know, nobody else oh. is getting anything. Yeah. Uh, next year, um, so you have three interesting people. I mean, you'll have a few crazy Yankee fans who vote for Jorge Posada. But other than that, you have three interesting people. You have 
Pudge Rodriguez, who's going to fly in, obviously, as a first ballot holder. Should be. I have him number four on my ballot. Oh, no, because no, everyone likes him. The, the old school guys love him and the new school guys. Well, no, because but, well, but he had steroid suspicions. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I still think he's fine. I feel like people don't even realize that. I, I don't okay. think Pudge has any problem getting in. Then you have Manny Ramirez, who's not going to get in. Right? Because of the steroids, yeah. Because yeah, because he's he's going to be in the he's not going to come close. Like he's going to get crazy low numbers. Yeah, I have a number eight on my ballot next year, which and I have he should be in. But no, but he's not, but he's not going to get in. Not for his on the field stuff. One, he doesn't get any sympathy. Like he's less sympathetic probably to a lot of writers than like Bonds yeah. or Clemens. Even though he's probably a better guy than both those guys. Yeah. And then, so the interesting one is Vladi. Yeah. So Vladi so, was amazing didn't have the career length of some of these other guys so he only had 449 home runs but you know OPS 930 140 career OPS plus yeah his career ended much you know much sooner than it should have i have him on next year's ballot at 13 that's assuming bagwell doesn't he had, so he bad. really only had 10 seasons yeah i need a couple um, decent seasons but look i have him all time number 19 among corner outfielders and again everybody in the top but what do you think is- are people going to vote for vladi no he he will not make the hall of fame Oh, you don't even think you don't think he's ever going to make it? Well, he might make it from the veterans, but he's not going to make it from the voters. Wow, because he's not going to make it over guys like like Bagwell and Bonds and, and you know and and, and all, you know Manny Ramirez. Gary well, why Sheffield, not? Well, Bagwell's going to be in. Walker. Ba- I mean, yeah. I, I actually think Bagwell falls a few votes short this year, but Bagwell will get in. I, I predict Bagwell makes it next year as well. Yeah, but but every year more guys come. Look, the following year, Chipper Jones is going to be on the ballot. He's going to make it first year. Jim Tomey is going to be on the ballot. If he doesn't make it the first year, he'll make it within the first year or two. Scott Rowland's going to be on the ballot. He should make it first year, but he'll make it within a couple of years. I don't think Ro- I, 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 Rowland's interesting because, again, the old school guys don't care about defense. Yeah. But, you know, third base is by far the most underrepresented position in um, in uh, the Hall of Fame, by far. Yeah, and I think that's part of the – the problem is that old school guys only look at homers – old school guys look at homers and RBIs, and they say third base went on as much as first base and are corner outfielders. But the reason is because they're also, you know, have defensive value. So, Well, here's a, here's a crazy one in, 20, in 2018, two years from now. Andrew Jones? No, Omar Vizquel. Omar Vizquel, yeah. So he's so Andrew Jones. By the way, he's similar to Vlad. To Vlad, I think he was. They were both great defensively. They both of them, their careers hit a brick. You know, much earlier than expected. Jones, there were steroid rumors. Um, Jones is better defensively, but you know, not as good offensively. Uh, you know, and yeah, Omar Vizquel is a tough one because he's sort of like a less famous poor man's Ozzy Smith, basically, right? Yeah, he is the poor man's Ozzy Smith. The thing about. Um... What's it called? From that year, Tommy and Jones are going to get in first ballot. I mean, there's a tiny yeah. chance Tommy starts at like 65 and gets in on his Whatever. second. Yeah, he gets in within two years. But he has so many home runs. There's no way they're – you know, and he doesn't have yeah. any major steroid suspicions, I don't think. Yeah. Andrew Jones hits 51 homers in 2005, 41, 2006, and then his career is basically over. Yeah. So, you know, Vladi has 10 years. Jones, I guess, has 11 Obviously, you know, Jones was like historically good defensively. Yeah. I mean, look at his his wars and his primers. Seven, seven, eight, five, six and a half, five, but three, hold on. seven, but let's six. Look at Jim Tomei. Jim Tomei or excuse me, uh look at Jim Edmonds, I mean. Jim Edmonds, his offensive numbers were as good as Vladi as, as as Guerrero's, and his defense was as good as Andrew Jones. Right? That Jim Edmonds is that's why he's a no doubt Hall of Favor to me. It's crazy that why why shouldn't Vlad Guerrero or Andrew Jones make it ahead of Jim Edmonds? I don't understand that. Yeah, I don't but, know, but um, this is a football podcast, so let's go to football. Oh yeah, it is a football podcast. That's a good point. 
All right, Akiva, so let's get to this week's games. Uh, we're going to start right off the bat with the uh, the early Saturday game, which is the traditional spot for the worst game of the week, uh, Kansas City and Houston. And uh, to discuss Kansas City and Houston, we are bringing back uh, two of our preseason guests who uh, discussed both of those teams. Uh, for the Houston Texans, we have Yoni Pollock, who's the editor of House of Houston. Uh, he's on Twitter at Yoni Pollock, Y-O-N-I-P-O-L-L-A-K, uh, and House of Houston is House of Houston on Twitter. And to discuss the Chiefs, uh, we have uh, Cole Hogan, who is on Twitter at Jayhawk Cole. Uh, Yoni Cole, how are you guys doing today? Good. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, let, let's start with the Texans. It was JJ Watt, Defensive Player of the Year, uh, as per usual. Uh, debating it is silly, even even with his club. Uh, and obviously, once the club was off, he uh, became a beast again. Uh, Brian Hoyer was surprisingly good this year, I think. And if O'Brien had simply started him the entire year and not wasted time with Mallet, they uh, they might have been better off. Uh, but it's still clearly the weakest team in the playoff field, the, going against a team that's won ten in a row. Yoni, you predicted in the preseason they'd go ten and six. Um, they went nine and seven, but they did win the division. You know, the first ever win at Indy, I think, for this team. Cole, you uh, predicted the Chiefs would go eleven and five, and so you were right on the money. But uh, when you said eleven and five, I think we made fun of you. Uh, when the Chiefs started one and five and lost Jamal Charles for the year, we uh, made fun of you some more. <laughs> and um, and then they won ten in a row, and so it's not so funny anymore. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, nobody's hotter than the Chiefs uh, in the wide open AFC. I did uh, also say that we would go five and one in conf or in division. Uh, you look, uh, you've proven that uh, you can win at Denver. Uh, you proved you proved last year you could beat New England. I, I think, frankly, and, and Cole, tell me tell me if I'm wrong. I thought a couple of weeks ago when Andrew Luck, you know, they thought he still might come back. And what I was thinking is that Luck would come back. Uh, the Colts would beat Houston in that game. Uh, and then you guys would have to go at Indy again, just like in 2013 with Andrew Luck back. And then I thought that even though Kansas City would be favored like they were in 2013, uh, they'd probably lose. Uh, are you happy you're playing Houston and with J.J. Watt in that defense or, or would you have rather played out of the Colts? Well, you know, the Colts give the entirety of Kansas City cold sweats thinking about that 2013 game. But, you know... I've I've heard over and over again that we're happy to play Houston, but to go deep in the playoffs, you have to play and beat everyone. So it doesn't really make a difference. Yeah, you know, that's what I've said to people who ask me, oh, did I want the Vikings to lose this week? And I said, no, if the goal is to get to the Super Bowl and to get there, we're gonna have to beat Seattle anyways. I'd rather, you know, beat them at home in the first round than have to play them on the road in the NFC Championship. Yoni, you know, you guys are a home underdog, but as we said, Kansas City was was uh, favored on the road two years ago against Indy and they lost. In fact, the Chiefs haven't won a playoff game in 22 years. Um, that streak includes four home losses. It includes, you know, as I said, when they were favored on the road two years ago, that time was Andrew Luck. So do you think that, uh, not, not, do you want your team to win, but do you think your team is going to win with uh, Brian Hoyer? So if you asked me, uh, for my season prediction after the first pass of the season with Brian Hoyer, by the way, I totally would have changed it from like, you know, whatever I said, 10 and six to like two and 14. But, uh, you know, after Marcus Peters jumped her out and, uh, ironically again against the chiefs. Um, I don't know if Brian Hoyer is able to do it. Uh, a lot of Texans fans are kind of somewhat sold on Brian Hoyer, which is somewhat also very scary because Brian Hoyer is Brian Hoyer. Uh, you know, sure, he could be able to beat the Titans and the Jaguars pretty handily, but uh, I haven't really seen it in important games, um, this being one of them, obviously. Uh, he makes some passes, which... Uh, similar to Ryan Fitzpatrick last year, and I guess what we saw with Ryan Fitzpatrick in Week 17, which just you just shake your head at, like, what are you doing? And, and they're just nowhere close to the intended receiver. So uh, we're not going to win this game uh, because of Brian Hoyer's arm. If we win this game, it'll be because Brian Hoyer and the offense play mistake-free football, and we let the defense do what they've been doing best lately. So that's the game plan coming in. Pound the ball with the run, play mistake-free football 
on offense and then let the defense take care of the rest. How many points does Houston need to score to win this game? That's a good question. I'd say 17 or more might be able to do it um, on Can- like on the offensive side on Kansas City. Uh, without J- uh, Jamal Charles, it makes it a bit easier to game plan. Uh, Chuck Andrick West and Spencer Ware are both solid running backs, but they're not Jamal Charles and, and what Jamal Charles could do both out of the backfield and getting the ball on the handoff uh scares scares what well, would have scared me as a texan fan because we don't do well with speed and so if jeremy macklin now he's got a bit of a hip or hammy issue i don't remember which one i don't know if exactly he's going to play yet i think he missed uh practice on tuesday it was uh so if macklin's out that definitely helps the texans defense uh 17 should be able to do it though uh cole uh how is macklin looking right now uh he's gonna play he he came back in after he landed on his uh his hip and he was running routes. I don't know if he caught a pass after that or not, but he didn't practice. So it was more of just a rest day, I think. Oh, okay. So Yoni thinks that basically you got he's got a uh, Houston's got to hold the Chiefs to uh, under seventeen, and you know obviously try and avoid pick six or anything uh, terrible like that uh, from the offense. You know the, the Chiefs. Alex Smith is interesting. I think the reason he's underrated is because he just he never turns the ball. He doesn't put up flashy numbers. You know, frankly, to compare it to my guy, a little bit like Teddy Bridgewater, but he just never turns the ball over. He had two picks uh, this past week, um, so he ends with seven on the year. But still, uh, the only quarterback, the only starting quarterback to turn the ball over less frequently this year than Alex Smith was Tyrod Taylor, uh, and he missed a couple of games. He doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, but the truth is we have seen him air it out in the playoffs. Obviously there was the game two years ago. You lost, I think 45, 44, but you know, Alex Smith did put up a monster game with that Jamal Charles. There was the game he put uh, for the 49ers a couple of years prior, um, you know, the year before Kaepernick took over when he had that huge game against new Orleans, I think. Uh, so this offense does have explosive potential. Now, obviously doing it against JJ Watt is a lot more difficult than, you know, against like the indie defense, for example, a couple of years ago. So do you think this is going to be a low scoring game or do you think that the Chiefs are going to light up the scoreboard like they did two years ago? You know, that's tough to say because obviously in the past few weeks, we haven't been lighting up the scoreboard, but I did see uh, from local media today that they asked Andy Reid if they had been holding anything back these past few weeks. He's been known to do that in the past and he didn't, he didn't say no. So I'm, I'm a little... I'm a little uh, curious to see what happens. I don't expect it to be, you know, a 28 point lead or whatever it is going into halftime like last, two years ago. That was ridiculous. I think there will be something up the sleeve. I don't think it'll be the traditional what you've seen in the last four weeks. They've won 10 in a row, but yeah, the last couple of weeks they won, you know, 10-3 over San Diego, a close game. Um, you know, the last couple of weeks they haven't been as hot as they were before that. I assume that, Cole, that you expect to win this game, right? Hourglass half full. <laughs> well, look, as we said, they haven't won a playoff game in 22 years. I don't think you were alive in 1993, right? Nope, 94. Yeah, so <laughs> you've uh, you've never seen it. You thought you were seeing it two years ago for sure with that huge lead at halftime. Ultimately, can't guarantee that we're going to bring the same guests on every week. Let's talk about, you know, people are seeing that the Chiefs are a team that could go to the Super Bowl. So so you, you think they're going to win this week, but you sound a little bit cautious about it. They would go either, depending on, of course, if Pittsburgh were to win, they'd go either to Denver or New England. Who would you rather face in the second round? I think I would rather face New England only because, you know, they keep saying that players are going to keep coming back and all that. But I just don't think that their offense is there this year and their defense is is still good, but it's not great. And I think we match up pretty well with them as evidence from last year in that Monday night game. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty surprised, honestly, because you went into Denver and you killed them. Um, the first game you lost basically because of, you know, the silly fumble at the end of regulation. And they don't even know who's starting their, who's going to be their starting quarterback. It's probably going to be Peyton, but officially they don't know. So I'm a little bit surprised. But, you know, as you said, New England, they're all banged up also. Uh, Yoni, who would you rather face if, uh, if Houston manages to win this week? 
Uh, for me, I mean, I'd, I'd rather go to Denver. It's just, you know, Belichick and the Patriots scare me regardless of who's playing. I think probably most of their guys would be back by then. And when I say Denver, by the way, I mean the Peyton Manning-led Broncos. I'd, I'd rather face Peyton. Uh, all those ducks in the air, I think those are easy for some of our, you know, the secondary to go and grab. Uh, which has played a lot better as of late, Jonathan Joseph and Kareem Jackson and Kevin Johnson, the rookies. So uh, Denver's offense, though they have the high scoring potential, uh, they don't scare me as much as New England. And on the flip side, Denver's defense does scare me, especially now that we have the loss of our left tackle, Dwayne Brown, who played very well. Um, That's a key injury. Getting injured in a meaningless game. Right, which is a whole other story. But uh, so – that does scare me a bit, but I mean that scares me even more right now. We got we got a game against KC, who's got an elite de- defense of their own. So losing Dwayne Brown there, having to put in Chris Clark uh, to protect Hoyer's blind side is uh, definitely a key factor to this game. Yeah, you know it is. It's just you know going back to this again, it's just so crazy. These teams are meeting each other in the playoffs when Kansas City was was one and five, and uh, and I think that um, I think that Houston was two and five after they right. lost to the Dolphins. And um, Akiva and I mentioned that that when when Houston beat the Bengals. In that in that weird Monday night game, you know where you won at Cincinnati, ten to six, I think it was. Yep. After that game, Houston got up to four and five, and Akiva and I said in the pockets at the time, like, oh, we thought they were like two and eight. Like, <laughs> we, we were shocked that they had four wins, um, and that all of a sudden, given how bad that division was, all they'd really need to do is is win at Indianapolis, and they'd be in the playoffs. And indeed, that's what's happened. But you know, you 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 beat the Bengals, uh, you beat the Jets, who was you know another uh, playoff caliber team if, if they didn't quite make it. Um, so, you know, you've, you've had a couple of impressive wins this year. Push comes to shove. Are you uh, predicting a win this, this week against, uh, Kansas city? Uh, push comes to shove. I'll give it to them at home. Uh, energy stadium is going to be lit. Uh, we have the firepower on defense. A lot of, you know, former top picks, obviously JJ Watt, Whitney L- merciless has come on strong as of late. Jade Van Clowney should be playing. Secondary has been fantastic the last, you know, 10 or so games. And, uh, Deandre Hopkins, probably the best player on offense on both sides of the field. So, uh, just throw it up there and, and hope for the best, Brian. All right. So uh, you both are predicting the win this week. Uh, and, you know, that's really – and we're going to get into the next three games, you know, sequentially. But there, there really is – every game this week is a toss-up. You know, you have the road team favorite in three out of the four. And the one they're not is, uh, you know, Green Bay at Washington, which is kind of crazy that, uh, you know, that Washington's favorite at home. Um, every one of these games is a toss-up. If you're in like a survivor pool, it's really tough. You know, probably the, the most – the most popular favorites are, are, are Kansas City and Seattle, but Kansas City ha- hasn't won a playoff game in 22 years. And, and obviously what happened 15 years ago is irrelevant to this current team, but but two years ago is relevant. And uh, I think, I think you know, for the fans, as, as we heard, uh, Coles is a, a rather cautious. Uh, e- even for a team that everybody's picking, he's a little bit cautious, but uh, he is leaning in that direction. So, so good luck to both of you. As a Vikings fan, I, I don't really care because I can't imagine that we will be facing either one of these teams this year. But if uh, – <laughs> If somehow that were to happen, then, then obviously I'd you gotta have excited. confidence in your team, man. Well, confident that the Vikings are going to the Super Bowl and one of these teams is going to run the Super Bowl. I, I don't right. have that much confidence <laughs> just yet. But uh, you know what? If uh, if uh, if if one of you guys uh, and the Vikings keep winning, then I'm able to have you on in a couple weeks to uh, to preview that Super Bowl as well. So uh, right. good luck, I'll be and uh, and uh, we will be uh, we'll be in touch, especially if uh, your teams keep winning. And again, uh, kudos to both of you, uh, especially you, Cole, for your uh, your accurate preseason predictions. Thanks, sir. All right, talk to you guys later. Okay, Akiva. Now let's uh, jump to the from the worst game of the week to to the best game of the week. Um, first of all, this is an absolutely bonkers line. As we discussed, Cincinnati probably the best team in the AFC this year. There's questions about Andy Dalton, but the fact that Pittsburgh's favored uh, by three points 
or even by more than three points on the road is, is kind of kind of crazy to me. Um, you know, by many measures, this was the best regular season in Bengals franchise history. Andy Dalton, uh, when he went down to injury, was leading the league in quarterback rating and Chester quarterback rating. Um, you know, even without him, they went two and one the last three games with their only loss being in overtime on the road against the number one seed in the AFC. Look, I understand why everyone's picking Pittsburgh. Dalton may not be able to grip a football for all we know. And even if he can, his playoff record uh, is as bad as his 2015 regular season was good. And no offense is scarier than the uh, the killer bees, as they call them in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, with Ben and, and Brown and Bryant, even uh, without Bell in the backfield. But Ben also finished second in the league behind Peyton in, uh, in picks per game. He threw 16 picks in only 12 games. He's thrown two picks in each of the last three games. They only made the playoffs because of an epic Jets collapse, which uh, our Steelers fan, who I will introduce in a moment, was uh, was more than happy to uh, thank Akiva for. So nevertheless, the fact that Pittsburgh is favored by so much insincy, it's crazy to me. Uh, but, but let's bring on our guests uh, to discuss – uh, the Bengals and the Steelers. For the Bengals, uh, it's a, a third a third appearance this year for Zach Sosna. Zach, our Bengals expert, uh, in the preseason, the fans of each of Cincy, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore predicted their team would win the division. Um, but the other two both thought that Cincy was the worst of the bunch. And so, Zach, you were the only one who was right because you predicted your team to go 12-4. and four. That was spot on. You know, we talked about this when we had you on in the middle of the year. We said, what happens if you drop to the three seed and you have to play in the first round again? And unfortunately, here you are. So... You can't, uh, you know, despite having a tremendous regular season, you got to be a little bit down about the fact that you're stuck in the first round again. Uh, and it's against the hated Steelers, who uh, who just beat you at home a couple weeks ago, and who obviously famously uh, injured Carlson Palmer in, uh, you know, in uh, a playoff appearance for you guys a few years ago. How do you how do you feel? <laughs> well, first, I'm excited to be back in the playoffs, so that's always nice. But it would have been nice to get a bye and get out of the first round. Before the season, we joked about that maybe uh, our playoff drought would end if we skipped the first round game. Maybe it was just that first round game. But, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, it's not an easy road to get to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl. So, apparently, our start's at home with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep. Okay. Uh, Zach, by the way, you are on Twitter at uh, ZSosna, that's Z-S-O-S-N-A. And um, your counterpart uh, representing the Steelers, we have uh, – it's uh, on Twitter. He's J-I-M-68-M-Y. That's, uh, that's Jimmy with a 68 in the middle. And uh, he's known uh, otherwise as Jim Hersberger. So, uh, Jim, welcome to the podcast, representing your Steelers today. Hey, thanks, guys. Nice to be here tonight. Uh, Jim, let me just ask you, uh, do you think it's a fair line? Do you think that you guys should be favored in Cincinnati? Oh, absolutely. Despite Um, their regular season? Yeah, absolutely. Um, If you go back since 2010, I think the Steelers are 9-3 against the Bengals straight up. We're 14-3 at Paul Brown Stadium since they built the place. Uh, Mike Tomlin's 13 and five since he joined the Steelers in 2007, I believe. So we pretty much owned the Bengals the last, you know, pretty much since day one. Um, and especially it's been really good on the road because it seems like they, they seem to do well at Heinz field when they're playing the Steelers. And then, but on the road against the Bengals, we seem to do have a great job. So look, a lot of those historical numbers you cited, Take into account the fact that the you know the Bengals have mostly sucked for most of the last twenty five years, but this year the Bengals, at least in the regular season, were the better team. Um, you know they they beat you guys uh, in Pittsburgh, although as you said uh, uh, later in the season when it was back in Cincinnati, you guys won. To be fair, that's the game Dalton went out, but um, you know I think uh, you were winning that game even when Dalton was in the game. So you, your confidence is somewhat understandable, but you know Zach, do you all, are you also confident in this game or are you nervous? I mean, as a Bengals fan, I'm, I'm nervous, but I, I think we are the better team. We talk, you talk about the two through 53, and I don't even think there's a, much of a comparison. They have Antonio Brown, 
couple other great players, but I think through and through we're a better team. So it's all depending upon if uh, AJ or hopefully Andy, but probably not, comes through. I, I think that we, sh- we should win this game. I thought we would have been favored, uh, maybe not by the typical – you know, three points as a home team, but I didn't think that we were going to be favored to lose. Yeah, well, you know, the the Bengals were sort of the hottest offense the first half of the year in the AFC. The Steelers has been the hottest offense lately, but the Steelers' defense is really bad, um, whereas the Bengals have had a great defense for, for much of the year. Um, you know, you finally have Tyler Eifert back, who's been, you know, the, the, the key guy in the red zone. He was leading the league in touchdowns when he went out, missed a couple of games with a concussion, but he came back in week 17 and immediately scored another touchdown. Do you think that, uh, which Andy Dalton are we going to see? Are we going to see the Andy Dalton we saw in the regular season? Or are we going to see the Andy Dalton we've seen in the playoffs the last four years? Um, and do you think that the uh, the, the hand is, is going to be a big issue? Well, hopefully uh, the Andy Dalton that we've seen the last couple of years in the playoffs doesn't exist anymore. And it's just, it's just new Andy <laughs> that that's actually a, a good quarterback in the NFL I just hope to see Andy Uh, I think AJ's played well Um, I think that if he was on another team and had a chance he could do a pretty decent job as a quarterback but um, Andy has done a great job this year and getting him back I think is what we what we really want but if we do get Andy back and the thumb isn't a problem or a minimal problem then we should have our our high offense we're healthy right now as healthy as you can be Uh, where we should have most of our day one starters in so there's, that shouldn't be the issue. Last year, that was the problem. So I think that if Andy's back, we have good Andy, then I think that it's our game to lose. Be honest, though. Pittsburgh was like the worst possible round one matchup, right? You would have rather had the Jets or Kansas City or, or just about anybody, right? Uh, I, this is the worst outcome for us. Yeah. Or, or, or have the bye, obviously. Bye was number one. Um, playing them was the worst. Yeah, uh, you know, we uh, on last week's podcast, uh, Akiva and I drafted uh, coaches to uh, to lose their jobs, and and with my last pick, I took Marvin Lewis, and I think we talked about this a little bit in the preseason. We said, what is you know, Marvin Lewis keeps the job no matter what, and, and obviously after you know the best re- regular season in franchise history, nobody's thinking of firing him. But if they lose in the first round again, and if it's ugly, you know, if if they lose by thirty uh, on Saturday, do you think there's any chance that Lewis loses the job, or, or it's it's completely out of the question? I don't see it happening. I just I don't even think that's in the discussion at, at a, in the Bengals front office, I think he's going to be our coach next year. Okay. Unless and, he, unless he doesn't want to be. All right. And, uh, and uh, Jim, talk to us a little bit about, you know, why is Roethlisberger turning the ball over so much, especially the last few games? Um, I think overconfidence, to be honest with you, he seems like he's, you know, he tends to force throws for some reason. Um, if you watched any of that Cleveland game last week, um, he was really trying to force the ball to Antonio Brown in the second half, and he finally got away from it when he threw that that pick, and he started looking at the other guys, and then that's kind of when we kind of pulled away in that game. Um, but he does tend to, you know, really rely on Antonio Brown a little bit too much, even when we have great weapons like uh, Martavis Bryant and you know Heath Miller had a great game uh, December thirteenth against the in the Bengals, and I just hope you know we play patient like we did in that game and spread the ball around. Because we're obviously not going to have a running back on Sunday or Saturday night. So is D'Angelo Williams out of the game? I'd say it's about 80% he's not playing, yeah. So who's in the backfield then? Uh, we have two options. We have uh, Croissant, or I believe that's what his name is, Croissant. And then um, Todman. he used to play for Jacksonville last year. And neither of them are good options. I mean, I, I think combined they have like 20 carries all season. Um the Steelers had a bad habit this year, really, you know, having a having a, like a one trick pony at running back. When Le'Veon Bell was healthy, he got the ball the whole time. When 
D'Angelo Williams was, you know, in the game. He got all the carries. So we really weren't spreading the ball around running back-wise. And it's going to kind of bite us right now, kind of like what it did last year when we, uh, you know, matched up against Baltimore without Le'Veon Bell and we were forced to go with Dre Archer at running back. And that was a disaster and we lost the game. Yeah, it, it is interesting how Tomlin or, or, you know, I don't know who's making this decision, how they really only go for one back. Now, when it's Le'Veon Bell, you're like, all right, he's a, you know, he's a three-down workhorse. But then, you know, first couple games, and frankly, you saw this in fantasy football as well. First couple weeks of the year uh, when Bell was suspended, D'Angelo Williams was like the best fantasy running back. And then when, when, when Le'Veon Bell came back, you thought, all right, so maybe D'Angelo will still get the ball. But then D'Angelo never played at all. Uh, unlike, for example, in Chicago where, uh, you know, Jeremy Langford still got carries when Matt Forte came back. D'Angelo went back to the bench completely such that, as I said, in fantasy football, everybody dropped him again. And then when Bell had his injury, uh, D'Angelo comes back. And again, he's like the workhorse. He's the only guy they use. Um, and, and this week, you know, they, as you said, you know, Krasan and Tommy, those aren't really guys you can trust to give the ball 25 times. So either they have to sort of find a way to divide, you know, divide the responsibility or it's just going to be Ben dropping back to throw 45 times. Yeah, you said uh, whose decision it is. It's It's got to be 100% Tomlin's. I mean, he's been doing it since day one. Um, when Willie Brown was here, you know, his, his famous phrase was he's going to run until his wheels fall off. And he did, and they did. And, um, fast Willie know, Parker, right? Fast. That's what they have. Fast Willie Parker. And, and after that, you know, they, they always kind of like focused on one running back and, you know, we were fortunate to, to get Le'Veon Bell in the second round last year, maybe the year before. And, um, you know, they've ran him every, when he's healthy, he gets the ball hundred percent of the time. So, yeah. so, all right. So you, I think you both, uh, you both uh, predicted that your team is going to win this week, uh, although uh, our Bengals fan is a little more cautious uh, in, in his optimism for uh, you know for historical understandable reasons. So let's let's look beyond this week. Uh, you know, we'll start with you, Jim. For the Steelers, you win this week, you go to Denver next week. Um, you know, I, I, not talking about hope, but do you expect you know you're saying you expect to win this week. Do you expect to win the following week at Denver? I do. You do. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> Only because we're we're playing a Peyton Manning that hasn't played. In six weeks, and when he did play, he's been throwing interceptions left and right. Yeah. So I mean, I, 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 I'm, you know, they have a great defense in Denver. It's tough to play there, but we beat them already this year. And having Peyton Manning back is really not a great option at this point. He's 39 years old. He's brittle, um, and the, and the worst thing is just turning the ball over all the time. Now, and it's and it's something he really didn't do a lot. And he's not a good playoff quarterback anyway. I think he's what eight nineteen in his career. So I'm pretty excited to play Denver in the second round. All right, uh, you know, hold on one second. I have to uh, I have to defend my boy Peyton Manning for one second. Uh, first of all, uh, his record in the playoffs in his career, uh, just so I can have it accurate, he is eleven and thirteen. So oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, not eight and nineteen, but you know, but not not as good, <laughs> not as good as he should be. Uh, but but his numbers in his career, uh, and and I actually have a little chart going that I update every year. It's uh it's Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, uh, career playoff performance, and uh, his numbers are virtually identical. Uh, you know, Brady's career quarterback rating in the playoffs is eighty nine. Peyton's is eighty eight and a half. So Peyton Manning has not been a bad quarterback in the playoffs in his career. He's just uh he hasn't had you know great defenses and great teams. You know, for example, when they lost to the Ravens a couple of years ago. You know, it was because they have to play on an 80-yard touchdown that had nothing to do with Peyton Manning. Uh, so I'll defend him there. But look, that's the Peyton Manning of the past. Peyton Manning of the present, obviously, is uh, is not the same guy. So then you would be uh, going into the AFC Championship. And again, on the road, no matter what, it would be either probably New England or Kansas City. Uh, do you expect to win that game? If we're at New England, I do not expect to win that game. If we play Kansas City, which would be 
you know, marvelous. I, I expect to win that game. Although Kansas City is playing really good right now. Yeah, so they've won just, 10 in a row, and by that point, they yeah. will have won 12 in a row. So We played them, uh, I think we played them in week 9 or 10 at Kansas City. We should have won that game, but we were playing with Land, uh, Landry Jones, a quarterback. Um, but it was really close, and we, you know, we almost pulled that out. But ugh. Yeah, so you know, at like 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon this week, uh, you figured you weren't even going to be in the playoffs thanks to that collapse against Baltimore the week before. And now, just a couple days later, uh, the Jets collapse, you're in the playoffs, and now you expect this team to go to the AFC title game. And if, and if it's not against the Patriots, you expect them to go to the Super Bowl. I do. Wow. All right. So uh, let's let's hop over to Zach now. Zach, as we said, the Bengals were the best team in the AFC for for most of the year, especially as uh, you know attrition took out you know half of the Patriots roster. Um, but you know through a series of unfortunate events, you ended up in the three seed. You don't get a buy. You're playing your your hated division rival, who's you know owned you for, for much of, much of history. Um, assuming you win this week, uh, what do you think happens next week? You'll be going to the Patriots. Uh, do, do, do you think the Bengals are going to win that game if they're playing the Patriots in round two? Do I think we're going to beat the Patriots in Gillette Stadium? Um, I think we could. I think we should. Um, well, you could, but I, yeah. I'm saying if, if I bring you back on the podcast next week, you know, you beat the Steelers this week, 24 to 20. Uh, you know, Dalton has a pretty good game, and I bring you back on next week, and it's only because we can't guarantee that you're coming out next week together. So I'm asking now, are you winning uh, that game against the Patriots? I Patriots. think I think so. I think that they're just too beat up. Uh, we're we're a really deep team. I think we'll wear them down. We'll get to Brady. Uh, Carlos Dunlap and Gino have been getting to the quarterback all season long, and that's just been proven the only way to beat Brady is by giving him no time. And I think we've been doing a pretty good job of getting after the quarterback. So I think that's how uh, how we would go to New England and win, and I think we would. Wow. So you're both, you both think that the winner of this game is going to the AFC title game. Uh, so then let me ask you the same question. Uh, then then you, uh, you uh, would beat the Patriots, and then you'd play either at Denver in the AFC title game or you'd be hosting Kansas City, or I guess Houston, although I haven't even considered them. Uh, would you, do you think you're going to win that game? I think we're more likely to win that game than we are to beat the Patriots. So, yes, I do think we would win that game. So you expect to go to the Super Bowl this year as a, as a Bengals fan? I, I think this team's good enough. I don't, I don't think we'd win the Super Bowl, though. Um, but I think, that we, I think that's, where, that's where we should be, and I, I told you that preseason as well. Yep. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, clearly the uh, the best three teams in the, in the NFL through a combination of health and, and performance are, are all in the NFC right now. And that would be, uh, in some order, Seattle, Arizona, and Carolina. So I think uh, you know, the AFC, no matter who it would be, would probably be an underdog in the Super Bowl. But, you know, we'll worry about that when we get there. But so, wow. So, so your expectation is a Super Bowl or bust for, uh, for Marvin Lewis and the Bengals? I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Exactly I guess. Asking, I guess. Have you, have you ever seen a Bengals playoff victory in your fandom? Uh No. I have not. They won. They won. Their last playoff win was about eleven months before I was born. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> we just had we just had our Chiefs fan on, and the same thing. The last Chiefs uh, playoff victory was nineteen ninety three, and he was born in nineteen ninety four. The game was actually in nineteen ninety four, but he was born uh, a few months later as well. So uh, the Chiefs and the Bengals, uh, we have young guests for both of them, and uh, they've never had a game uh, won in the playoffs by their teams in their lifetimes. Uh, they both expect it to happen this this year, and uh, in the case of the Bengals, not just one, but 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 three actually. So I also think in two thousand five, when Chemo took out uh, uh, Carson, Chemo von Ohlhoff and took out Carson, I think we could have won a couple games that year as well. So yeah, you know what happens if you know first possession of the game, uh, somebody comes in for the Steelers, whether it's Harrison, whoever else, and uh, you know puts a big hit on Dalton, and he's uh, he's on the floor, and AJ McCarron comes jogging, and how are you gonna feel then? Well, at least he had the three weeks of practice then. That's true. And, and again, you know, you, you went 2-1 and one with a loss in overtime at Denver. So 
you know, this, the Bengals are a very good team from one to fifty-three, all the way through the roster. Yeah, and and our defense is playing as good as, as good as it has all season. Um, we're we're healthy. We we lost our one of our linebackers last week for the rest of the year, but besides that, and he wasn't even like a crucial part of our defense. But we're we're as healthy as we've been, and our defense is stopping stopping. I know we haven't played much lately, but we're stopping them. And I gotta say, I actually agree with both of you. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna you know withhold my prediction for the end of uh, today's episode. Uh, and Akiva and I have a difference of opinion of who I think we're, we think is gonna win this game. But I think the winner of this game is going to be the favorite to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC as well. I think that you know um, New England too banged up. Denver, who knows what the hell is going on at quarterback. Um, and I, I think these have, you know, been the two best teams. In, the Bengals certainly have been the best team in the FC for much of the year. And uh, and Pittsburgh, their offense is 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 much better than anybody else's. And um, I uh, so I agree with both of you. I understand where your confidence is from, and this is a little bit like the uh, Spurs playing the Clippers in the first round of the NBA playoffs last season. I'm disappointed about D'Angelo Williams being down there. That that's going to probably really make a difference in this game on Saturday. Just not having that running back, that go-to running back for the. For that game is going to be really tough because um, cause then, then they're going to really force us to throw the ball 40 times and you know, Ben has been turning the ball over. So that could be the only scary part of this game for me anyway. Yeah, the thing is, I just it, it almost seemed – look, I was watching uh, the, the Red Zone channel on Sunday and so they were making a lot of this hay about both Antonio Brown and Julio Jones uh, racing possibly for uh, Marvin Harrison's all-time record for receptions in a season. I don't know. I mean, I would, I would hope that wasn't part of the calculation, but it did seem kind of crazy how much they were forcing force feeding Antonio Brown in that game because you have in in, in Martavis Bryant, um, you know, you have one of the be- better number two receivers in football, and frankly, you have probably one of the better number three receivers in football. And and you know, between the tight end, you know, even even if you don't have an elite running back coming out of the backfield, they have so many options to throw the ball at Pittsburgh. It doesn't seem necessary. Even if Brown's the best receiver in football, it doesn't seem necessary to force it to him twenty times a game. Now, uh, Marcus Wheaton is a guy to look at, too, this weekend. Um, he's really come on strong the second half this year. Um, he had a 190-yard game this year, believe it or not. Yeah. So, yeah, so, um, plus Heath Miller, like I said, he had a down year statistically. He only had a couple touchdowns. But in that Browns game, or the Bengals game a few weeks ago, you know, he did have 10 catches. So, Ben still looks at him, you know, in a pinch. And this is the, this is the weekend it's probably going to be that way. Because um, we're not going to have that running back to use, and I, I just really don't think see us running the ball more than ten times the whole game. So we're gonna we're gonna be throwing the ball for sure. Zach, tell us uh, when when the when Pittsburgh is sending three or four guys out. Uh, you know, talk about like the nickel and dime formations for that defense. Like, who are sort of the 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 guys who come into the secondary in those situations? And you know, are those concerns for you, or, or do you have confidence in sort of the depth in that secondary? In our secondary, I mean, Leon Hall is our slot cornerback, so he's been a you know a good cornerback for years, and he's found a really good niche at uh, slot corner. And what what makes him like him at his best is when people are doing those bubble screens to wide receivers. He's able to get past the wide receiver and get to him. And, you know, that's – and so, like, that we've stopped that play all year. So that's, like, one of the big plays they do to Antonio Brown. So we kind of take that out of their arsenal if they do it to the side that Leon Hall's on. Um, so that's not – our nickel formation is probably our better formation, more so than our base formation. So we play better out of the nickel than we do out of the base. The only thing is the linebacker that we lost is kind of our uh, our nickel linebacker. But we have, a like, a bigger, strong safety that comes in and plays there anyway. So you'll see just a lot more of our safety playing linebacker. And so that actually helps a lot in coverage. All right. So, uh, you know, there you have it. We have uh, – we've heard from both a Steelers fan and a Bengals fan. This is clearly uh, the uh, the marquee matchup of the first round 
a battle between teams that uh, could quite likely, uh, you know, be favored on the road uh, later on in this postseason if they win this week as well, and uh, you know, have a decent shot of representing AFC in the Super Bowl, uh, regardless of what happens. You just have to get by uh, your divisional opponent in round one. So uh, good luck to both of you, and uh, we may be hearing from uh, one of you uh, down the road uh, later this month. I, I hope hey, good so. luck, Zach. Good right, thanks, guys. Good luck. Thanks, Alex. All right, Akiva. So we're done with Saturday. We're done with the AFC. Uh, now let's turn to the NFC. Uh, and to start things off, let's bring in uh, your former roommate, uh, Josh Gresham. Josh is on Twitter at Durstad1. That's D-E-R-S-T-A-D-1. Uh, Josh, last time we spoke to you, uh, you were engaged uh, t- to be married, as, uh, as people <laughs> usually are, uh, to, 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 a, uh, to, a, to, a, to a fine girl, but she had the same name as your mom. That's true. And, uh, now she officially has the same first and last name as my mom. So that's totally a normal, non-edible thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gotta say, you know, um, like most of our uh, guests this year, you uh, you uh, over overrated your team in the preseason. But uh, you were actually fairly circumspect. You only predicted them to go eleven and five, which was reasonable. But of course, uh, they they went a little bit under that ten and six, and uh, they did sneak into the playoffs. But it says the sixth seed in the NFC, and that means that you have to start on the road against uh, a division champion, the Minnesota Vikings. A division champion, that's true. A division champion that they slaughtered uh, more mere four or five weeks ago, though. Yeah, uh, actually, one of those five losses you predicted was you thought they'd lose at Minnesota. Um, they certainly did not. <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, probably tied with this last week as uh, their most impressive victory of the year. Um, you know, the Vikings were were missing their three best players on defense in that game, but you know, there's no excuse they got destroyed on both sides of the ball. Um, their only touchdown was on a kick return. Um, and you know, although since that point, the the Vikings have looked really really good. The next week, the Vikings went into Arizona and uh, and outplayed the Cardinals uh, on short rest. Um, and then since then, you know, they, they blew up the bears and the giants by over 50 points combined. And then they went into green Bay and they, and they stole the division from the reigning champs. So the Vikings, the Vikings have been on a, quite a hot streak since that disaster of a game. Um, but this Vegas line, it started, you, you knew Seattle would be favored and, and early they were favored by three and a half. Then the line went all the way up to seven and a half, which is, which is quite, quite large for a yeah. six seed on the road. Um, you know, we were talking earlier today, actually offline and, and, I. Uh, I said, or I said to you, I thought Bridgewater reminded me. You said that Bridgewater was a poor man's Russell Wilson, and I said, well, what he really reminds me of is Russell Wilson a couple of years ago. Uh, the problem is that Russell Wilson right now is way better than Russell Wilson a couple of years ago. Like right now, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, and, you know, especially in the second half, he was you know just historically great, and that was that was without Jimmy Graham or Marshawn Lynch or, or Thomas Rawls or any big name receiver. You know, he turned Doug Baldwin into the leading scorer in the NFL, which is kind of crazy. Um, but, you know, and now Marshawn Lynch probably comes back, which uh, will help them, especially, you know, if they have a lead and they're, they're trying to, you know, kill some clock and run the ball. You know, the Vikings certainly an underdog here. On the other hand, you know, they're one of the youngest teams in the NFL. They are up and coming. Um, this is probably a year ahead of where we thought they would be. So a little bit in one sense, anything from here on now is gravy. Um, and, you know, I think that's the best way to pr- approach it as a Vikings fan because, you know, the Seahawks have, you know, won the NFC two years in a row. They won the DVOA title three years in a row. They're on fire. Um on the other hand, you got stomped by St. Louis just two weeks ago at home, so you're not really that much on fire, are you? Well, it's if you recall in that podcast to begin the year, um, St. Louis, I predicted them to lose an opening week, opening week, which they did, even though they've had like a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. Um, they just, I don't think you can really take into account what they do against St. Louis. It's been that way since Pete Carroll got there and really since Jeff Fisher got there. They barely beat. Uh, the year they they stomped the Broncos in the Super Bowl, they won. I think it was like thirteen nine 
against Kellen Clemens in St. Louis on Monday Night Football. Uh, it was something ridiculous like that. They just can't do anything against the Rams. So I really wouldn't put, I wouldn't hold that against them. Um, although I'll be honest, it definitely got me thinking again that maybe they're a little overhyped and then they went in and just absolutely demolished Arizona, uh, which certainly kind of brightened up my spirits again. And then also uh, enabled me to remember that uh, aside from the Rams, they hadn't really played a close game in four in like, I think it's five weeks. Um, and, you know, since they, since they beat the Steelers, um, a red hot Steelers team um, at the time, anyway, uh, at, it, even with Roethlisberger putting up 500 yards passing, they had, that was kind of when, um, Wilson turned a corner and I don't think the Seahawks have really looked back since. Uh, you know, on the other hand, you know, you say the Rams have their number. Aren't the Vikings just a, a better version of the Rams? You know, elite defense, strong running game. I think it's, it's, it's less about the style of play than it is something, some dark magic. I, I really don't know how to describe it. it. It's never, the Rams aren't particularly like their defense isn't particularly great this year they just for some reason can shut down the Seahawks it's it's weird I mean um you know in the the, as far as the matchup goes with the Vikings um it's kind of the matchup that I think favors the Seahawks the most and especially this year this year they've been kind of shredded by good quarterbacks for the most part um Carson Palmer put up I think 37 or 8 points Ben Roethlisberger put up 30 and 500 yards. Um, they, they haven't had great uh, – what's it? Cam Newton had a nice comeback there, and Andy Dalton had a good game. Um, it's the quarterback – you know, we can stop any running game, though, and that's really what, in my opinion, doesn't bode so well for the Vikings is they're obviously built around their running game, much as the you know as Seattle has been the last few years until this year. Um, so overall – uh, it's a little, you know, the, definitely the Vikings are a way better team than the Rams, but I, I wouldn't really compare the two just because there's some sort of divisional dark magic that happens with when they play each other. All right, and what about any concerns about, you know, playing at sub-zero temperature or playing a game that starts at 10 a.m. Seattle time? Uh, I don't think the 10 a.m. thing is a big deal. I saw that um, the Seahawks, you know, they've won five games in a row now on the road this season, so you know, for some reason, they're actually playing um, just as well on the on the road as they are at home, and um, I'm not too concerned about that. I think that they'll they'll find a way to get past that. the The sub zero is going to be interesting. I don't know how to feel about that. I saw today that there might be a wind chill of minus 25 in that game. Um, I think that usually favors uh, the the power running team, and um, you know. It's it's going to be interesting. The Seahawks have kind of become a little bit more of a passing team, even though they're they're leading the league in rushing again. But a lot of that obviously is Wilson. You're predicting a victory here, right? Yeah, I think I have to. I mean, even trying to look at it as as um, as, as objectively as possible, I don't expect it to be a thirty-five-seven whooping like it was. Um, but but I just the way the Seahawks are playing right now, and you know. They haven't allowed a hundred yard rusher, I think, in twenty something games. Um, they've allowed the fewest, you know, rushing touchdowns this year. I, I just have a hard time imagining Teddy Bridgewater beating them, which is kind of what they he would have to do. Yep, uh, I'm sure you saw my tweet that uh, although I haven't updated it for this past week when Bridgewater was really bad, 
But uh, this is a matchup between the two best quarterbacks in NFL history uh, in their team's final four regular season games, you know, weeks 13 through 16. Um, or, or, you know, in you know pre-78, it was weeks 11 through 14. But uh, Bridgewater was number one, and uh, Wilson was number two. And again, Bridgewater had a bad game this week, so he might have dropped to number two. But, um, you know, Bridgewater hasn't had a chance in the playoffs yet. Russell Wilson obviously has done it every year of his career in the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I think I, I, you know, it, it's, it's hard to pick the Vikings. I'll get to my pick later on in the, in the pocket, in the episode, but, but I think this line is too big. I think it's going to be closer than that. And I, I, w- I would certainly pick the Vikings to cover, uh, at home by, by seven and a half. If, if it was three, you know, maybe be a little bit different. Uh, let's talk about something else. So, you know, just, I don't know if, if they do win, I can't promise we'll be bringing you back each of the next few weeks. So, so let's talk about where, what you expect this team to do. If, if you win this week, you go on the road to play Carolina next week. Are you predicting a win or a loss in that game? Oh, you are, you're asking me for a prediction before they've even, you know, played their first round game. Well, yeah, but your matchup, you know what the matchup is. You know, as a six seed, you're locked in. So Yeah, I, I mean, I know that the Seahawks have played the Panthers every year uh, for the past, I want to say, every year of Russell Wilson's career. And until until this season, it was like a... The weirdest scores you'd see it was 12, yeah, like 12, to 7. 12 7 and 13 9 and all these very bizarre scores. Let me answer by saying I think that the Panthers would be favored by by like two and a half in that game. And I think that wow, I can't you're putting me on the spot already. I, I do think that the the Seahawks certainly could win. I don't know that I would predict it though. So you're so that you're predicting a loss then. We're making it go one way or the other. I know right? you're making me this is um well, why the hell not? I'm going to say they they could win because they're they're really they're probably the better team. They played a much harder schedule than the Panthers. Um, granted, they did lose to the Panthers, but I do think that was um, that, that was, was in the game. first half of the year when they were first struggling. Half of the the year. offensive line couldn't protect Wilson. Yeah. Um, you know, that's sort of one of the keys to this game, I think, for the Vikings. Uh, the, the Vikings are 7-0 and when Bridgewater is sacked fewer than three times. Um, you know, their offensive line has been bad all year you know, having lost their two best offensive linemen uh, in the preseason for, for the year. And by the way, it really annoyed me that about eight times on Sunday Night Football, Collinsworth and Michaels kept saying that the Vikings five offensive linemen, they'd had the same starters all 16 games and how healthy they'd been. Like without mentioning, but their two best offensive linemen, their Pro Bowl center and their right tackle, both got injured in the preseason and missed the entire year. So right. no, actually they missed 32 games, uh, you know, starting games from their starting offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the big problem is that uh, that this week, uh, or, or this past week against the Packers, they lost. You know, they they play two and even three tight ends a lot because of, frankly, to help their running game and also to help pass protection because of the fact that their offensive line hasn't been very good. And so Kyle Rudolph is sort of like the bigger name tight end because he's their their pass receiving tight end. But their best blocking tight end is Red Ellison. He uh, he plays. He's one of the best. You know, I mean, he's a very key part of the offense. And he, he got injured against the Packers, and he's out for the season. One thing the Vikings are talking about now is actually bringing in a sixth offensive lineman. Uh, you know, to sort of replace Ellison. I'm not sure what they're going to do, but but so I think you know that's going to be key. If if Bridgewater is is on is on his ass a lot, Seattle's winning this game. But uh, you know, if he uh, if he can stay upright, I think the Vikings have a real chance here. I'll, I'll tell you this: um, the biggest weakness, and again, this has changed over the last couple of weeks, but for most of the year, Seattle's biggest weakness by far in the passing game was tight ends. So if you expect anyone to beat you, it's going to be um, it's going to be Rudolph in this game, and 
and they've he's gotten open on a lot. You know, Cam Chancellor's missed the last couple of weeks. Uh, Russell Okung's missed the last couple of weeks. They're they're you know Pro Bowl left tackle. I don't know if he's Pro Bowl this year, but um, he's he's definitely one of their best offensive linemen. Uh, they've been and you know they're really banged up. The Seahawks. That's you know the best bet is you know you got Rudolph out. You know you know running a seam route or something like that a couple of times. He can um, you know he can put up eighty yards and a touchdown and and it's a different game. I mean they have not defended the tight end well at all this year having watched all the games. Bill Barnwell wrote today, he said the kryptonite for each team, and he said that the uh, kryptonite for Seattle, as you said, was tight ends. Mm. They were 26th in DVOA against tight ends, but, you know, they were the sixth worst team against tight ends for, for like, fantasy football purposes. (laughs) Uh, And and when Carolina beat them in that game, uh, Greg Olson, Olson. yeah, 131 yards that game. Uh, You know, Carolina and Seattle are very similar teams. My prediction actually a couple weeks ago before Carolina lost – uh, to Atlanta. My prediction was that Carolina would be 16 and 0 and would lose their first round playoff game to Seattle or their, their first playoff game in, in the divisional round to Seattle. Um, just because I thought, I think Carolina and Seattle are very similar teams. And I think that although Cam is going to win the MVP, Russell has actually been a little bit better this year. Um, and, you know, I think the defense of Seattle, Carolina's defense is obviously very good, but I trust Seattle's defense more, frankly, in the playoffs, uh, having seen them, uh, you know, do it the last few years. So, but, so you're predicting them to be Carolina. So let's go ahead and predict the NFC championship game now then, you know, you know, again, if we get that far, we might bring you back on again to uh, right. your pick. But let's say you're there and you're facing uh, probably Arizona. Probably Arizona. Yeah. You know, maybe Green Bay or Washington, but no. Realistically, it's going to be Arizona. Um, you, uh, you you lost them at home, but you just destroyed them on the road. This one would be on the road again. What are you predicting in the NFC title game? Um, you know, assuming that, you know, there's no key injuries, obviously, somewhere down the road. You know, I don't – it's funny. I think I can actually predict – the Seahawks to win and not sound like a huge homer because I really do think that they, you know, it's, it's very easy to make the argument that they're the best team in the league, despite being 10 and six, as opposed yeah. to 15 and one or 13 and three, uh, like Carolina and Arizona are. Um, I, I think it's a pretty safe thing and I don't think anyone's playing as well as Wilson. I think they're going to get a very fresh Marshawn Lynch back, which, you know, is a big reason why they're 10 and six as opposed to 12 and four, you know, for the Carolina game and the Cincinnati game that they lost early in the year, almost directly attributable to not having uh, Marshawn Lynch in those games to kind of milk the clock in the fourth quarter um, because they blew some big leads, um, which, you know, that's been their game since Lynch has been there is, is drain the clock, um, you know, eat it, eat it away when you have a lead, which they have a lot. um, And I think they weren't used to not being able to do that. So I really do think that they can pull it off and make a third straight trip. I, I know I sound like a homer there, but it's kind of, it's a pretty easy argument to make when you've been watching them every week this year, uh, because they've really, you know, since they put in, you know, Patrick Lewis at center, they have become a completely different team. Yeah, I think most people are in agreement that the three best teams in football coming into the playoffs are Arizona, Seattle, and, and uh, Carolina in some order. So the NFC playoffs is going to be tough. You know, you're going to have to earn it to uh, to get to the Super Bowl. And, and frankly, that's why if the Vikings do win this game, I think that in that case, I think that the tables will be turned. And I think that, you know, they'd probably be an underdog at Arizona, but I think it'd be by fewer than four points. You know, as I said, they outplayed yeah. Arizona a couple weeks ago with most of their defensive players out. And then they would have just come off, if they were to do it, they would have just come off you know, five great games in a row, you know, including just having beaten, you know, Green Bay and Seattle back to back. So, um, you know, and frankly, that was one of the reasons why I told people who said to me before last week, oh, do you want the Vikings to lose to the Packers? I said, no, 
if we're going to get to the Super Bowl, we have to get past Seattle anyways. I'd rather do it in the first round at home than mm-hmm. you know, in the NFC title game on the road, you know, right. in theory, if it were a 5-6 matchup, uh, which is, you know, the only other way it would happen. So and j- just uh, to carry through, so now we have uh, the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's an odds makers dilemma, like a classic odds makers dilemma, because you you you're asking you about individual games, yeah, but then when you present yeah, it as a, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm not, yeah, <laughs> when you present it as a, you know, okay, we're gonna win three games on the road against good teams, yeah. like they're not playing any any bad teams, yeah, um, it's not like they're getting a floundering Green Bay team, like I, I would rather be playing Green Bay, honestly. Um, than Minnesota. I think Minnesota is the better team right now. Um, their defense is way better. Uh, so it's, you know, each individual game, sure, like I can predict it and I can predict it with, with you know, not sounding, I think, like an idiot. But once you start adding it up, it, it's a little bit. All right. Well, yeah, I, and I won't make you predict them to win the Super Bowl right now because yeah. we will have you back on the podcast, you know, assuming they keep winning uh, at some point in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, uh, Josh, I can say uh, with with complete sincerity, uh, terrible luck this week. Thank you. Um, Same to you. you. Know, uh, Russell Wilson was my fantasy quarterback this year, so I definitely enjoyed his second half. But but I, I can't deny the fact that I was I was kind of rooting for an injury uh, in the second half against Arizona. Um, and, and, then, yeah. and then eventually they pulled him and brought him to Arthur Jackson. So, yeah. Uh, they did the but, right thing. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I I, uh, I wish you only the worst uh, this week, and um, uh, you know rest up for next season uh, after oh. Sunday. <laughs> Thank you. They played a lot of games the last couple of years, and hopefully they'll play a few more. <laughs> All right, talk to you later. <laughs> All right, have a good one. All right, now it's time to discuss uh, last uh, but least the uh, the worst game of the week, and uh, this is a game that I will not see very much of at least live because unfortunately I have a wedding. At uh, 5 p.m. on Sunday, so uh, you know at least the Vikings game was was scheduled so that I can watch that game. But then I'll probably be missing this game. But uh, I don't think it matters because regardless of who wins this game, I think this is the only game this week in which uh, the winner is uh, you know not going to advance much further. Uh, so even if the Vikings were to win on Sunday, uh, the winner of this game is not going to face them in the NFC Championship game. I'm quite confident. So it doesn't matter who wins. Uh, we've already dispatched with the Packers. Um, but uh, to, to discuss this game today, we have two guests. And uh, in the way that The Daily Show once did with Stephen Colbert and Steve Carell, they had uh, even Stephen. It was Stephen PH against Stephen with a V. So we're doing the same thing here. We have uh, to talk about the Packers coming back. Uh, we had him in, in the preseason and here he is again. Uh, please welcome Stephen Sherman. And to talk about the Redskins, as we had him in the preseason, it's uh, Steve Apter. So, uh, Steve Apter, you already got a shout out earlier in the in the episode um, when we talked about our our most uh, prescient guests. Uh, you predicted uh, Washington would go nine and seven, and you were right on the mark. Um, in the preseason, Stephen, you were the only guest we had who predicted his team would win more than twelve games. You thought uh, Green Bay would go thirteen and three. Uh, you know, to be fair, that was justified. I think, um, after all, I had them number one in my preseason rankings. Um, in fact, in the preseason, the only reason I thought the Vikings would make the playoffs this year is because I thought that they uh, that the Green Bay would have clinched the uh, number one seed and would be resting people in week 17. And so the Vikings would be able to get a win for that reason. Um, instead, of course, this year we saw the uh, the fall from, from Grace of Aaron Rodgers, you know, the uh, consensus best quarterback on earth. His numbers were in the middle of the pack this year. They indeed were, and... In- it was a it was a bitter 2013 loss for the division, but when you mention how the Vikings dispatched the Packers, we're forgetting a 30-13 <laughs> beatdown uh, that was much more convincing than that Week 17 uh, fight. But it's been a tough season, uh, you know. In Green Bay's defense, 
three road wins were against the three teams that are one in the AFC and one and two in the NFC. Three home games uh, against division foes was really a big letdown for this team. And it, if we'll get into it, but to me, it comes down to really awful red zone play, which has plagued this team, not just this year, but the past few years and really came to light with all the other weaknesses that popped up this year. Yeah, you know the narrative. The narrative for the Packers and Rodgers really in the offensive struggles was that they were, you know, were hurt by Jordy Nelson's injury. Uh, to which I say, please cut the whining. He still had more weapons on offense than than most teams in the league. In fact, he had more weapons on offense than most of the other NFC playoff teams. You'd rather have Green Bay's uh, uh, receivers than the Vikings or Seattle's or, or Carolina's. Um, uh, and, well, I I, 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 I I would trade them for, you know, the carcass of Mike Wallace. And well, anyways, but in the ultimate insult, you're now underdogs against the terrible Washington Redskins who won the worst division in football with apologies to the AFC South. Uh, whereas the Packers were number one in our preseason rankings. Washington was number 28. So when Stephen after came on and said the Redskins would go nine and seven, we all guffawed. Um, and then when they blew out, when they uh, blew that Monday night football game against the Cowboys last month to drop to five and seven, they seemed done. Yet, uh, you like that? Because somehow Kirk Cousins turned into a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, uh, dragged this team to the postseason. Um, you know, they're, uh, they're they're probably the weakest team on the NFC bracket, but then again, they're favored at home. Uh, you know, they didn't beat a winning team all season. In fact, uh, they were 0-3, I think, against winning teams. And the crazy part is they were only favored in three games the entire year, and now they're favored in round one against the Packers. Um, so first of all, I want to ask you, Stephen After, are you surprised that – Again, the Packers have looked really bad for two months, with the exception of, of that the thirty to thirteen victory in Minnesota that uh, Stephen already mentioned. But are you surprised that Washington's actually favored in round one? I was surprised to see that line um, come out initially. I when I first heard of the matchup, I was thinking that this game would be somewhere around uh, the Packers giving something small around two or three points. So for the Redskins to open as favorites, I think. Vegas is looking at their performance at home and certainly looking at the Packers' poor performance towards the end of the season. Um, but I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. I think the, the Packers have played much more difficult defenses than they're going to face um, against the Redskins this weekend. I think any team is going to look um, worse on offense when you play a team like the Arizona Cardinals and even a team like the Minnesota Vikings. I think defenses in the NFL really start with the back end. And they have probably a, one of the most underrated safety tandems in the league with um, their two safeties in Minnesota. So um, I think the Packers got ran to some pretty tough teams at the end of the year. The strengths of the Redskins defense are kind of playing into the weaknesses of the Packers. And so what we're going to see on Sunday is um, something from the Packers. They're going to have to just play better from. And I think I, I would disagree with your initial st- statement that Aaron Rodgers has fallen from grace a bit. I think he hasn't really gotten a lot of help this year from the offensive line. I think the running game has really fallen short for him. And when you're looking at their their weapons on offense, you know, Randall Cobb has caught 60% of his targets this year. Devontae Adams has caught roughly 50% of his targets. So I think in order for the Packers to win, they're going to have to have that running game step up and get something from Eddie Lacy and James Starks. I don't think that this Redskins defense is comparable to the Vikings or the Cardinals in any way. And so uh, to answer your question, yeah, I was surprised to see the Redskins favored, but um, I think there, there is some just cause there based on their performances towards the end of the season. 
Yeah, Kirk Cousins has looked like a pro bowler. Um, you know, the uh, Washington going into the season, people thought it was going to be – well, obviously, you know, before the season, we thought it was going to be RG3, and he hasn't even touched the field. You know, on last week's episode, I joked that they should have uh, played RG3 against the Cowboys because you didn't want to risk an injury to either Cousins or McCoy. And, uh, and and then Cousins went in there in a game that didn't matter and threw another three touchdowns. He's, he's just been really incredible the second half of this year. Um, and this offense – Looks like they can put a lot of points on the board, even you know, even at sort of absent a running game themselves. But uh, Stephen, let's turn to you. Obviously, a disappointing season, but uh, a lot of teams would kill for a disappointing season that still ends with ten wins and in the playoffs. Um, you know, were you surprised to see that they were underdogs, or did you sort of think, given the way they played in November, December, that that was to, even against Washington, that was to be expected? I think in two big nationally televised games, the Packers have come up with 21 points in week 16 and 17. That's going to play into it. And Vegas is a very much, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. yeah, But, you know, the Packers are a public team, so usually they get a couple points yeah. of credit. No, but if you look at Packers fans and the Green Bay Packers subreddit, it's been a bit uh, toxic the last half of this season. They're very negative on this team, and you're not going to get that out of me. Uh, I'll be very, very negative on uh, the offense. I think when Nelson went down, we expected Devontae Adams to step up. He's been fighting an injury early on and just hasn't fallen into it. Randall Cobb's been tasked with going up against a number one cornerback or tons of help, and he's just not been able to get open. James Jones isn't fast enough. Abradaris has been hurt, and Janice hasn't showed up. Uh, this team's just hurt all around. If Lacey and Starks can't get there, and that's not to mention Andrew Corliss, who was one of Aaron Rodgers' most trusted receivers, even if he's not at tight end, even if he had been more of a backup role. He's someone that understands Aaron Rodgers and can play the scramble a lot better. And he just came back from uh, IR. I expect to see him play a bit of a role this week. I will say that. Eddie Lacy has alternated between fat Eddie and, and good Eddie. Um, and But against the Vikings, who in his five previous games against the Vikings, he had run for over 100 yards every time. Uh, you know, he did nothing on uh, Sunday night. And, uh, and James Starks, of course, with all the fumble problems, they've, they've relied on him a lot less in December. So are you expecting uh, the good the good Eddie or the fat Eddie on Sunday, or do you think it's just going to have – Rodgers is just going to have to do it himself? Is David Bakhtiari playing? I think that's the big question. This offensive line's been up and down, injured all year. If – they can have their starting five from the start of the season playing, then it's a pretty strong O-line, and it's something they can run behind, especially against a defense that's not uh, necessarily as strong against the run like Washington's is. And I, I, I think that's true. I haven't watched a ton of Redskins this year. Steve, can you uh, come in? How is Washington against the run? Uh, yeah, I agree. I think Washington is – is I wouldn't say they're bad or great against the run, but I do agree with you that the offensive line is going to have to really show up in this game. I think where Washington's had some improvement this season has been in tackling. I think 
some of the people that they brought in in the secondary, like a Deshaun Goldson and a Will Blackman, has really shored up their tackling in the secondary that are going to turn some of those inevitable big runs into more like five or six yard gains and manageable gains. But where I think the offensive line for the Packers is going to come into play is the Redskins are really peaking right now with their pass rush. They're getting a lot of production out of Ryan Kerrigan that they didn't get at the beginning of the season. They're getting a lot of production lately from a guy named Preston Smith, who's a rookie for them. That's really been showing a lot to this team in practice and starting to put it together on the field. Um, And the defensive line has been pretty solid this year with Chris Baker and Hatcher and Ricky Jean Francois getting a good rotation of guys in there that I anticipate, especially if there's any injuries or any inconsistencies with the Packers line, that they're going to be able to get some pressure on this um, Packers passing offense. But with the run, the opportunities there for an Eddie Lacy or James Stark to to get some big yardage plays and chunk yardage. Um, the question is, are they going to be able to find some pass catchers that can play off of that and um, get them scoring some points in the red zone and get some big plays? All right. So let's get down to brass tacks. Uh, Steve, do you, uh, do you predict Washington wins this week or Green Bay? History would suggest that the Packers are, are the better team here. I'm just struggling to find something that they're going to hang their hat on on offense. I predict that this game is going to go under the 44 points that Vegas has it at. Um, the Packers have a top 10 ranked pass defense, and I really think that uh, Clinton Dix and Burnett on the back end are going to limit a lot of the things that the Redskins have been able to feast on in the passing game. I think they've been force-feeding the ball to Jordan Reed a lot. I think the Packers have got to be able to um, put a stop to that a bit. And, um, you know, I don't think that they're going to be able to throw the ball over the field as much as Cousins has been able to. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game early and and maybe one that will pick up with scoring a bit later. And I think um, I see the Redskins winning this game by a score of something like 20-17. to 17. All right, Stephen, what about you? Well, I think uh, Steve brought up an important point that uh, we haven't mentioned. That the Packers' defense has actually been really good this year. And I think that's going to be the difference in this game. Uh, I don't think Washington's gone up against some very good defenses the last few weeks. And they've been able to put up a lot of points. Green Bay's getting Sam Shields back, we hope, from a concussion. And he's the number one cornerback. That's going to be a tough defense to crack for Washington. If Green Bay is able to string some drives early and get Bakhtiari back on offense and really get that offensive line moving, I think it can be a pretty one-sided game early. And I know, you know, you don't want to make bold predictions like that, but I look at this game and I see a mismatch. And I see a Washington team that they're getting better. They're peaking at the right time. They're hot. But they haven't beaten a team that's really good yet. Green Bay has lost against the Lions and the Bears. And yeah, some bad home games with uh, maybe some weather involved. And then the Vikings game. I just don't see them losing this game. But uh I didn't see them uh, blowing up this season either, so yeah, I've been well, wrong on them before. I, I, I haven't said my pick in the Vikings-Seahawks uh, game. I'll say that at the end of the podcast. But all seven of our guests who have come on 
on today's podcast have all predicted that their team is going to win. Now, to be fair, you know, that, that's not completely surprising. These are very close matchups. Uh, one of the pools that Akiva is running this year in the NFL playoffs, he's running a survivor pool. And it's really tough, I think, this week. Uh, who are you going to pick? Um, I, will, I will save my pick for later, but I'm actually picking one of the teams uh, in this game in Survivor this week um, just because, it, you know, it's really tough to figure out who to pick. Um, all of these are tough matchups. Steve mentioned history and why he was concerned that, that, that you know, his Washington team isn't as good as, as Green Bay. But one thing I'll point out, I think it's even more relevant to the extent it's relevant at all to the Houston-Kansas City game. But every single year since the NFL went to this new system, uh, which which as frequent podcast listeners know annoys me to no end, the fact that the division winner automatically gets a home game I think is idiotic. If you want to give them a uh, playoff spot automatically, that's fine, but you should seed them. It would also make more teams have more things to play for because less teams would be locked in the spots. It would make Week 16 and 17 more interesting. But anyway, every single every single year since they've done this, there's been a four-team hosting a five-team with a better record. And in most of those cases, the four-team, even when they're a home underdog like Houston is this week, although Washington actually is not, as we said, they end up winning. Last year, of course, it was the seven-win Carolina Panthers beating the 11-5 Cardinals, although, to be fair, the Cardinals won a third-string quarterback. A couple years before that, it was the 8-8 eight eight, uh, Tebow Broncos who beat Pittsburgh at 11-5. Uh, the year before that, of course, it was Beast Mode, the 7-9 and nine, uh, Seahawks before they were good, before they had Russell Wilson uh, beating the 11-5 uh, and five, uh, New Orleans Saints who were defensive champions. So year after year, you've seen that. And again, it's surprising to me that Washington's favorite. They're the only home favorite this week. Um, and But again, that line opened at Washington minus one. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if by game day it moves a little bit just because Green Bay is such a public team. And Washington didn't play anybody this year. And so I think sort of like what you said, Stephen, I don't think most fans saw Washington play this year. If they did, they saw the Monday night collapse, uh, you know, with the Sean Jackson fumble and all the other craziness in the last two minutes against the Cowboys. Um, but yeah, you, we haven't seen a lot of Washington. But uh, let's move past this week quickly. Uh, you, you both think you're winning, so uh, Steve, I'll start with you. I'll start with you, Steve. Can I can I jump in quickly, Alex? You said something that yeah. even as the ten and six team, I love that Washington is hosting. the ho- The winner of a division should host a playoff game. It's a challenge to teams in a good division like the NFC North is this year, and it's an opportunity for teams in a bad division like the NFC East was. Well, the, the opportunity is you make the playoffs. No, but the the home t- the home crowd gets a playoff game. I've believed this every year. The fact is that it made Week 17 against the Vikings mean something. It meant that instead of fighting for the three or four or five seed, they were fighting for the right to host a playoff game. Well, but hold on, but that's that's also a game that before Seattle ended up beating Arizona. People were speculating that both teams actually preferred to lose because they would have rather played at Washington than at home against Seattle. So. <laughs> Everyone hates on the format. I'm here as the road team when I could be cheering for them as the home team, saying it's absolutely great that Washington's the home team this week and not Green Bay. All right. Um, okay, so, well, Steve, let's go back to you for a second. You you expect Washington to win this week. Next week you're going to play, depending on who wins uh, between Seattle and Minnesota, you're going to play either at Carolina or at Arizona. Are you, do you think that they're going to win that game as well? I think we haven't been able to see what this team could do against Arizona, but you have seen them play the Panthers. It was a one-sided score where it was 44-16, to 16, I believe, earlier in the season. But if you go back and you watch the tape from that first half, I think the Redskins were in this game a lot more than that final scoreboard indicates. And I actually think, you know, where they're at right now that 
Um, this Packers game is going to be really tough for them. But I think that this team, even though they got blown out in that Panthers game, I feel like there's going to be still some sense of confidence if they were to play that team. And, I mean, you basically laid it out there um, with where this Washington team's at. What do they have to lose? You know, so I think both of these games would be equally hard, but I certainly don't feel like the Redskins should be written off completely in this game or even the next game against, you know, a Cardinals or, or a Panthers team. Well, I'm not asking right off completely. I'm just saying, bottom line, brass tacks. You win this week. If I don't have you back on the pod next week, pretend it's next week. Are you winning this week against? I, I think I think they can. I think they could surprise a lot of people. Let's say that. I'm not saying could they. I'm saying you make a prediction. Put a thousand dollars down right now. Is Washington winning or losing in the divisional round? Come on, guys. You gotta gotta give me an answer. Are they winning or losing? They're gonna winning. Win. Come on, we're Steve. winning. <laughs> okay, fine. So now you're in the NFC Championship game. Against again either Arizona or Carolina or maybe Seattle or maybe Minnesota. Are you winning or losing that game? Are you going to the Super Bowl this year? Not do you want to, not do you hope to. Is your expectation right now this team is going to be in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, I think if they are able to get past the Packers this week, which is going to be tough for them, I like where this team's at. I'll be honest with you. I think the secondary's improved. I like today a lot the signing of Kerry Williams. For some reason, I think the football gods will smile on that in a matchup against Seattle where um, they're going to be able to, to get the job done this year. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to the playoffs, and I think it's okay, going to so be exciting. You, so, so you expect this team to go to the Super Bowl. If they don't, it's a disappointing uh, season for, for, the, for Washington. I think it's already been a great season to, get, to go oh, from well, where well, we well, were. That's not what you just said. You just said you're expecting them to win. So if they lose, you're disappointed, right? Like I'm saying, I'm saying as a Vikings fan, regardless of my prediction – if the Vikings lose on Sunday, I'm not disappointed. But you are saying, no, you expect them to beat Green Bay. You expect them to win the next two games, which means if they don't, they fail. They were upset, according to you. So you no, can't I... have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. You're <laughs> well, making <I> think... a prediction. <laughs> That's a little harsh, Alex. That's well, a little harsh. Well, fans, again, we're asking you to make an objective call here, not what you want. Everybody wants their team to win, obviously. So he said he, that they are going to win. He's expecting them to win, so... I'll get to you in a second, Stephen. Don't worry. All right, I'll lay off you. Stephen, uh, you're going to get the same treatment. <laughs> I, I, I'm shocked. I thought that you guys were going to say, well, you know, we're gonna, I thought you both predicted to win this week and then lose the following week. But, uh, Stephen, it's your turn. You you already said you think they're going to beat Washington. I do. And, and, and I wasn't even close game. I think this game, you're going to check it at the wedding. It's going to be around halftime. And you say, eh, it's okay. I missed it. All right. Uh, and then the following week, they go either at Arizona, uh, where they've already lost this year uh, very badly, or they go at Carolina, where they lost very badly, although they made it close at the end of it, a little closer at the end of the game. Are they going to win that game, or are they going to lose? Let me put it this way. I'm cheering for Minnesota because I would way rather go to Carolina than Arizona. Uh, I may have been at that Arizona game, and it was not pretty. We were 30% of the fans in green and gold, and uh, – yeah, there wasn't much reason to cheer after the tailgate. But, uh, you know, I think Arizona's probably going to win the Super Bowl this year. I think they're a complete team. I think they've got a great quarterback. I don't want to go back to Arizona unless it's for the NFC Championship game. And even then, I think I'd rather host uh, go back to Minnesota. You know, I think they can beat the Panthers. I, I don't expect them to beat Arizona. All right, so... Uh, yeah, and if uh, if they do be watching this week, uh, we might have you back next week when we actually know who their opponent will be. Um, you know, I obviously hope 
that it will be Carolina because that means that the Vikings will have won and the Vikings are going to Arizona. Either way, uh, thanks to both of you for joining us, uh, both uh, both Steve and Steven. Steve Apter, our Washington fan, you're on Twitter at Stevie2x. That's S-T-V-I-E-2-X. And Steven Sherman, our Packers fan, you're on Twitter as the Datanaut. That's the Datanaut, D-A-T-A-N-A-U-T. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, good luck this week. I really don't care who wins because even if the Vikings keep winning, I ain't going to be seeing either one of you in the NFC Championship. I'm pretty confident about that right now. But <laughs> we'll Packers see. Vikings rematch at TCF. Hey, we'll see you later. If that, if that if that means that we can avoid uh, Carolina, I will happily take it. So thanks for joining us, guys, and good luck. Thanks. All right, Akiva. Green Bay, Washington. The winner of this game is going to get killed the next week. And if somehow they were to win, they'd lose the next week after that, right? I mean, there have been so many crazy results, like the Giant. You know, the Giants winning the Super Bowl the second time in the year they got outscored. It's hard to write a team off that's in the playoffs. But I've seen the Redskins look so bad this year. And if, to me, the Packers are going to win this game uh, and then get destroyed next week. I mean, they this is a team they lost at home to Miami. Right? They lost to Atlanta. They got hammered by the Jets. They got hammered by the Patriots. They lost by four touchdowns to Carolina. They lost at home to Dallas. By the way, this is as good a time as any to um, mention that Akiva has uh, has three uh, NFL postseason uh, pools going. If you're interested in joining them, one of them is a survivor pool. And the reason I bring uh, the reason I thought of that now is that survivor pool is really tough. Um, yeah, really, you tough. know this this week. I guess the safest picks are Kansas City and Seattle. Uh, I think I'm actually going with the Packers, but um, yeah, that's a really tough one. Yeah, I don't I, I don't even know where to go yet. Yeah, and then uh, and then your other two pools are uh, one of them is you just rank the the teams in the playoffs from one to twelve, and you get a point for every win, and um, you don't you don't include buys. So, for example, if Kansas City runs the table, they get four points, and uh, you know, and so on. And then the other one is a, a fantasy postseason where you pick uh, two quarterbacks, two running backs, two receivers, and a tight end and a defense special teams. It's touchdowns only, and the wrinkle is you have to pick one play. You cannot pick more than one player from any team, right? You can't pick a player from more than one player from any team. Yeah. Each of those are 20 bucks, or you can do all three for 50. And so join in. You get some interesting rooting interests in uh, every game, regardless of uh, you know whether you care or not who wins that game. On that note, Kiva, we, we haven't uh, mentioned our predictions yet, so let's bring in our predictions now for each of the four games. Let's run through them quickly. Kansas City-Houston, I'm going to pick Kansas City. I don't know. Houston's burned me before in this first playoff week. I'm going to go with the Chiefs, though. Okay. Cincinnati-Pittsburgh? Uh, Pittsburgh. I didn't even know Dalton was playing, but Pittsburgh. I'm uh, I'm gonna pick the Bengals for the reasons that we discussed earlier. Vikings Seahawks. Yeah, you know I've spent a lot of time thinking about this game already. The Seahawks are so good, but they also showed against the Rams two weeks ago that they could lose to any decent defensive team. You know the Minnesota crowd is not what it was back in the uh, the Metrodome days. Yeah, I. But by, by the way, it's good you bring that up because I've always, I've been on record for the Twins especially. When we got our new stadium, I said, well and good, it's much more beautiful of a place to watch a baseball game. Keep the metronome around just for the postseason because it's such an advantage, the noise, and then also in baseball especially, you know, all the wrinkles of, you know, like they can't see the ball against the, the roof. And I agree with you. The metronome was such a home field advantage, and this Gopher Stadium is not. And we'll see what the new stadium is like next year. But, um, you know, the one advantage Vikings have is the cold. Nobody really wants to play, you know, when it's zero degrees outside this week in Minnesota. But – um yeah, the crowd is, is not going to be into it the same way they were at the Metrodome. And it's a tiny place. It only fits 50,000 people. Um, so anyway, to me, the Seahawks playing a 10 a.m. game in Minnesota is the deal breaker. So I'm, I'm actually going to pick the Vikings here. 
Wow. The biggest favorite of the week, and Akiva is picking the biggest dog of the week, the Vikings. You know, I'm going to pick Seattle. I don't want I don't want to pick with my heart. Last week, I, I really did think the Vikings were going to go into Green Bay and win, but I picked the Packers. Uh, it actually cost me uh, – I lost my pick and pool because of that. I picked, a, I picked the Packers instead of the Vikings. If I had picked the Vikings, I would have won that as well. So um, I lost a lot of money picking uh, against the Vikings last week, but, you know – uh, I, I, I will pick Seattle and, uh, ho- and hope I'm wrong, and, and I hope that you're right. And I will definitely tell my father that uh, after a season of picking against the Vikings, you're picking this week against the uh, defending. I mean, the 10 a.m. thing is a little scary. I do think that the Vikings are similar to the Rams, who really dominated the Seahawks two weeks ago. All right. And then uh, the uh, the late game, yeah, you already said you're picking the Packers, and I think I'm going to agree with you on that. So on that note, everybody, uh, enjoy uh, Wild Card Weekend. We'll be back next week with another uh, guest field and uh, action-packed podcast. Uh, as usual, you can follow me on Twitter at hester99. You can follow Kiva at keev26. That's keev26. Talk to you later. Whatever. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.